No one's gonna tell me how I'm gonna boogie. Come on, everybody, boogie bumper tonight. No one's gonna tell me how I'm gonna boogie. Come on, everybody, boogie bumper tonight. No one's gonna tell me how to boogie. Come on, everybody, boogie bumper tonight. Let's go. Thank you for joining us on this. What night is this? What night? What night are we in? I can't remember. Uh, thank you for joining us. It's Wednesday night. It's the Wednesday night edition of the Daily Boogie Podcast. It's an absolute pleasure to be with you once again. I hope you had a lovely day because I certainly did. And as always, so much to get through in so little time. Uh, if you wouldn't mind, please share the show out, whatever platform you're watching on. But if you don't want to share the show out, that's okay too. I'm not going to force you to do anything. I'm not going to guilt you into doing anything. You know... If you enjoy this program and you, you know, enjoy what we do here, if you get something out of it, then I wouldn't want to guilt you into sharing this out, you know, because it, it would take, you know, literally like half a second to do it. And I know your time is very valuable. You're a very busy person. I get it, man. Everyone's busy. So I would never, ever, ever try to guilt you into spending one and a half to two seconds sharing this free program out that you get so much enjoyment from and provide nothing to so you know i would never want to guilt you into doing that so you don't have to do it that's fine. <laughs> if you'd like to become a full-time supporter of the show ladies and gentlemen patreon.com slash boogie bumper become a subscriber by hitting that subscribe button on your preferred podcast player and of course if you would like to complain that i'm laying the guilt trip on then you can do so by following me on twitter at boogie bumper if you'd like to leave a tip during tonight Preferred method would be dlive.tv slash boogiebumper or the link down below streamlabs.com slash boogiebumper. Thank you so much for joining us. As always, the recommended drink tonight, cheap box wine, tonight's recommended snack, bland brand, no name crackers. This is the official wine and crackers broadcast on a Wednesday night. So much to get through, so little time. Jekka Pit with a diamond. Thank you for the diamond, sir. And thank you for the diamond, uh, JJ Stoner. 44420. <laughs> Thank you, guys. Thank you for joining us. Um, got a bit of everything for you tonight. And I was I was sitting at the computer last night, and I'm like, mm, Ring the bell I, and get, get your cheese, man. man. Thank you for the resub. Irrational Times. Follow Irrational Times, by the way. Uh, I think you're going to be on DLive this week on Friday. I don't know. He'll correct me in the chat. Uh, if not, follow Irrational Times at his YouTube channel. Cousin Dan and some other guy are uh, doing a trivia war. I, and I hope this is going to become a regular thing on the Friday nights. I'm, I, I think it might be, but I don't, you know, I don't want to whistle past the graveyard or anything like that. You know, I don't want to, um, you know, blow his cover. So I don't know. I hope that it comes becomes a regular thing on a Friday night, these little quiz battles, because I like that kind of shit. Good, wholesome family fun. Super cool and fun. So follow Irrational Times on YouTube, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> ben K. Veritas with a diamond. I'd hate to see what a guilt trip would look like. Well, wouldn't you like to know? Maybe if you were around here a little more often, you might see it. You know, I'm not trying to guilt you into being here more often, but, uh, you know, would it kill you? I mean, none of us are getting any younger. You know, I don't see you as much as I used to. We don't talk like we used to. We used to talk a lot more. I don't know what happened, but I'm not trying to guilt you into calling me or anything, Ben. So, you know. Whatever. <laughs> so I was thinking about how am I going to start tonight's show. I was sitting at the computer last night 
and I've got a whole bunch of things, a whole bunch of topics, and one kind of goes into the other. And then a friend of mine sent me this article and I th- it just went straight to the top of the list. Because we often attack uh, corporate media outlets here on this show. Some would say unfairly, others would say not nearly enough. So I feel like when they get something right, it's important It's important to you know give them a round of applause, say, well done, you got something right. And I think that they hit the nail on the head with this particular piece. So let's get right into it. You're listening to The Daily Boogie, ladies and gentlemen. Have a look at this piece of gold from the New York Times. Jogging has always excluded black people. <laughs> hmm? Hmm? <laughs> I can hear a collective, huh, in the audience? What? Yeah, that's right. Jogging has always excluded black people. Disgusting fitness freaks. I knew that they were racist all along. I knew it all along. I knew that all the fitness people were white supremacists. New York Times, by the way. Listen to this. Jogging, yes. <laughs> people are like, what? <laughs> I told you. Born in Lily White, Oregon, it's a sport that's long claimed to be for everyone. <laughs> Even as African American joggers have persistently have been persistently subjected to harassment and worse. Straight away, I've got an issue, right? So, jogging was born in Oregon, was it? Are you trying to tell me that jogging was invented in Oregon? Like, what happened before that? Did did people just walk everywhere? <laughs> what do you mean jogging was invented in Oregon? See, people are focusing on the lily white part of Oregon. Don't worry about the don't worry about the racism stuff just yet. How about the claim that jogging was invented in Oregon? I, I don't know, man. <laughs> I've got to, I'm gonna have to push back on that. I'm pretty sure that people have been running, you know, since they've been walking. <laughs> and I think that people have been walking for, I don't know, best guesstimate. 300, 200,000 years or so? How the hell do you how the hell do you claim that jogging was invented in Oregon? <laughs> what do you mean? So somebody was just walking one day, walking around a farm in Oregon somewhere. They were walking around the streets of Portland one morning, and they just decided, out of the fucking blue, to just start picking up the pace. And instead of walking, they went from a walk to a trot. Next thing you know, they're jogging. And they had to stop. Oh, my God. What is that man doing out there? I don't know. I've never seen this before. Mommy, mommy, what's wrong with this guy's walk? Has he got broken legs? I think he does, Timmy. Sir, why are you walking so fast? (laughs) I'm going to call it jogging. Wow. A new craze is sweeping the nation. Joe Smith here has invented a new sport. It's called jogging. That's the other thing too. They call it a sport. Jogging's not a sport. Jogging's a, uh, that's a exercise. And I know people are going to say, of course, jogging's a sport. It's like, oh, okay. Show Where are the jogging world championships? Ring the bell and, and get, get your, your cheese, man. UK Neil, thank you for the resub. Follow UK Neil, by the way. DLive.tv slash UK Neil. UK Neil. <coughs> Jogging's not a sport. 
Jogging's an exercise. There, there are no championships of jogging. You cannot win a gold medal in jogging, right? It's just an exercise. The jogging is practice for the sport. Thank you, Lou Ferrigno, right? So we haven't even got into the body of the article yet, and there's already two things that are obviously false. Jogging is a sport that was invented in Oregon. It's not a sport, and it wasn't invented in Oregon. What the fuck are you talking about? The fucking audacity of these people. Do, do, does anybody read shit like this and go, wow, I didn't even know jogging was only invented in Oregon like 50 years ago. People must have just been either walking, standing still, or sprinting. <laughs> there was there was no in-between. <laughs> Ancient jogging messengers. No, 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 no. They walked everywhere. They took a bus. <laughs> they had horses. They had Ubers. Horse Ubers. Pony Ubers. Nobody ever jogged until it happened in Oregon in the 1960s, apparently. Apparently. Have a listen to this. <laughs> this is such a good article. Again, I love... I, I must be some kind of sadistic person. Because stuff like this would make other people angry. I, it makes me happy. It brings me joy to read such ridiculous shit. You know what I mean? I seek it out. I need it. I need to feed on it. I'm like a drug addict. I can't get enough of this stuff. Free, easy, relaxing. That's how jogging was marketed in the late 1960s when the idea of heading out on a regular run was unfamiliar to most Americans. Americans didn't know about running. <laughs> running? Nah, that's, we'll leave that for those, we'll leave that for those homosexual Europeans. You know, I heard they do a lot of running over there in Europe. Bunch of gays. <laughs> we don't do that kind of shit here. Here in America, we walk, goddammit. We take our time, because we got our guns. <laughs> when the idea of heading out on a regular run was unfamiliar to most Americans, unlike other fitness programs that required heavy, expensive gear, jogging was accessible to all, boosters claimed. But history shows how untrue that is. Oh, and how long the sport of running has maintained this fiction. So now we've changed the sport from jogging to running, okay? Now, running is a sport, but there's various disciplines within that framework, okay? Now, I want you to explain to me, if jogging has always excluded black people, how the fuck did we end up with Carl Lewis? How the hell did we end up with Jesse Owens? How the hell did we end up with Usain Bolt? How, I guess, I guess everybody knows that all of the world champion runners in history and all of the world champion runners in the world are all white people, aren't they? Hmm? <laughs> because all the black people are excluded from running, which was, by the way, invented in Oregon in the United States of America. God, God bless those heroic, God bless those heroes from Kenya and Morocco because they don't even have access to running like the Oregonians do, but they somehow manage to win every single fucking marathon. It's a, I can't believe, how do they do it? They must watch YouTube videos of people running in Oregon and go, oh, this looks easy enough. You know, we can run around here on the streets. Nobody is going to stop me. Just because we are excluded because we are black does not mean that we cannot win a gold medal. <laughs> this article is so confusing, says Mr. Scour. Gets better. 
<laughs> when video surfaced of the killing of Armud Arbery, now, now things start to become clearer. The young black jogger gunned down in South Georgia, distance runners became a new voice among the, the usual chorus of social justice activists who grimly pass such tragedies. But among runners, reactions largely differed by one important factor. Race. Well, running is a race. Black runners recounted their own routines intended to deflect the sort of suspicions that turned deadly for Mr. Arbery. Steering clear of certain neighbourhoods, going out only in daylight, wearing an Ivy League sweatshirt to broadcast respectability. <laughs> Many white runners, by contrast, were aghast that the sense of peace they feel when hitting the open road reflected their racial privilege. Yes! White privilege meets the jogging track. Who would have thunk it? Again, here I was, just your average. I used to I used to co-host a uh, sports radio show, right? And you know, it wasn't it wasn't too serious. We wouldn't do things too seriously, but obviously if you're doing that kind of a material, if you're doing sports, then you you kind of have to be um involved you have to involve yourself, you have to engage yourself in all of the sports news. It's not just good. You can't be just across one sport and that's it. If you're doing like a general sports show, you have to be across everything. At least a little bit. <laughs> Here I was, dumb white guy. I thought that, again, all of the top champion sprinters in the world were black. All of the top marathon runners in the world were black, with the exception of probably my most favorite athlete of all time, a guy named Hisham El Garouge, who came from Morocco whose story is fucking amazing, by the way. He was he was like the best um, long-distance runner for nearly 20 years, but couldn't win a gold medal at the Olympics. He would win everything else. He had all the world records, but, like, he always, you know, got injured or some kind of bad luck happened at the Olympic Games. And when he was, like, right at the end of his career, he was getting close. He might have even been over 40. Hisham El-Garouj. And he went to the Olympics and he won the gold medal like in his last ever race. He retired directly after that race. As soon as he won the gold medal, he, he collapsed after the race and retired from the sport. That's it. Not doing it anymore. <laughs> That's it. If you ever get a chance, there's a couple of documentaries about the guy. Have a look. Hisham El Garouge, an amazing athlete. The disparity should get... This is the article again. The disparity should come as no surprise. Oh, pardon me. So, yeah, here I was, the idiot thinking that, you know, guys like Usain Bolt, uh, Michael Johnson, who was an amazing runner back in the 90s from the United States, Carl Lewis, right? Uh, Linford Christie, the UK 100-meter sprinter. Here I was thinking that the black guys were just faster due to things like, you know, uh, muscle twitch frequency and shit like this. No, 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 it turns out I was wrong. It turns out that running was invented by someone in Oregon and for the longest time, it's been a it's been a bastion of white supremacy, <laughs> and still is to this day. And jogging is a sport, and it was invented in you know the Midwest <laughs> in the 1960s. What the fuck is this shit? Is this all just to talk about racism and mention the guy getting shot a couple of weeks ago? Is that it? Look at the lengths these people will go to. This is the New York Times. <laughs> they used to win Pulitzer Prizes. 
Now they're telling us that jogging was invented in 1960 and it's run by a cabal of white fucking supremacists. I I, <laughs> I spat out my coffee when I was reading this last night. Like, what the fuck is going on here? <laughs> Fascist Dippy, who comes up with this shit? <laughs> do you think they know how ridiculous this is? Or do they really believe it? Like, if when they press send and it goes... Like, who the fuck is the editor? I don't even blame the writer. Who the Who is the editor here? Like, if if that came across my desk and I'm an editor at a place, like, with the prestige that it once had, the New York Times, and if this came over my desk as the editor, I'd say, who wrote it? Johnson? Did Johnson write this? Get that get that son of a bitch in my office now. Johnson, what the fuck is this? Uh, sir, you wanted a story about the uh, black guy being gunned down uh, who was jogging the other day. Yeah, but what's all this shit about jogging being invented in Oregon? Where did you pull that from? Oh, uh, well, sir, you know, there was a lot of advertising for jogging in Oregon in the 1960s. I got shut up. Get out. You're fired. Get the fuck out of here. Clean up your desk. You're gone. We can't have this here. We cannot have people like you poisoning the rest of the fucking media center. Get the hell out. <laughs> and that would be the end of it. <laughs> what the fuck is this, Johnson? Mm. The disparity should come as no surprise. Running has been a pastime marketed primarily to white people since the jogging craze was born in the lily-white Oregon track and field world of the late 1960s. Black people have not only been excluded from the sport. Again, this is rubbish. This is pure fiction. One survey by Running USA found under 10% of frequent runners identify as African-American. Hang on, hang on, hang on. This is the rationale. This is the explanation for this for this contention that jogging is a sport invented in Oregon and is run by white supremacists and it excludes black people because they're all racist, right? This is the argument here. One survey, one, by Running USA found under 10% of frequent runners identify as African-American. I, I I genuinely feel sorry for the person who would read this and just accept it as reality and accept it as truth. Because here's, here's the deal, right? Wow. Less than 10% of people in the United States who identify as frequent runners are African-American, huh? Aren't African-Americans only like 15% of the population anyway? <laughs> Like, I understand in certain other statistical fields that uh, the 15% of the population can sometimes account for 20% of this or 50% of that or, you know, 65% of something else. But I don't really see how 15% of the population accounting for 10% of the frequent runners indicates a sport awash with racism and oppression. You know what I mean? And of course, it's based on one survey. Ladies and gentlemen, listen to this line. The most apparently egalitarian exercise of all, running, is anything but, especially when it comes to race. <laughs> this has to be 
one of the greatest pieces of claptrap I have ever seen. And again, like I, I would kind of expect this from like a slate or a salon or even a Vox. And, you know, I, I am a little bit, you know, when I was growing up, like when I was like 14, 15, I would read like three or four news, newspapers a day. You know what I mean? I'm somebody that used to have a lot of respect for print media, uh, for newspapers, right, for journalists, because they were different when I was like 14 or 15. And it wasn't even that fucking long ago. There was ethics. People gave a fuck. There were certain things that you just wouldn't do. There was certain shit you just wouldn't print. <laughs> but now, like, I read stuff like this. It's heartbreaking <laughs> to see just how far into the toilet modern journalism has sunk. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, the New York Times. Jogging was jogging was invented in Oregon, apparently. And it's always excluded black people. That's right. Running has always excluded black people. <laughs> ben K. Veritas with a diamond. Open your eyes, though. Open your eyes, Boogie. <laughs> so a quick, a quick distill distillation of what we've just experienced here. Jogging was invented in Oregon. It's the bastion of white people. It excludes black people. And this is based on a survey which found that 10% of frequent runners identify as African-American, even though only 15% of people in the United States identify as African-American to begin with. So this, this indicates racism. Well done, New York Times. Utterly fan-fucking-tastic. Don't you love it? Yes, of course. I know I know the Kenyans. I, I spoke about the Kenyans. I spoke about the Moroccans. I, black people win every running race. <laughs> They literally win every fucking race. <laughs> no, 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 no. No, no, no. Jogging is a sport that excludes black people. And it was invented in Oregon in the 1960s. Before that, everybody walked. <laughs> so dumb. It is, like I said, it's got to be one of the dumbest things I've ever read. That's why I said it had to go straight to the top of the show. I had to, this article, like, every, just imagine, imagine putting these words on paper and handing it in. Surely, this must be a troll. It has to be. Wait, wait, wait. Wait, you're saying that nobody was jogging before 1960? <laughs> you're saying that jogging was invented in Oregon? Yeah, you have me. Oh, what, what is the date today? Is this April first? Is this my birth? Is this a birthday get? Are you guys playing a trick on me? Come on! No, sir. I've got evidence. I've got evidence. <laughs> Come on, really? Yes, sir. I found evidence. Uh, one place did a survey and found that ten percent of frequent runners are African American, <laughs> but they're only fifteen percent of the population. Johnson. Yes, but sir, that proves that running is racist. <laughs> How do you explain Usain Bolt and Carl Lewis and Michael Johnson and all of the Kenyans who win every marathon? Uh, get the fuck out of my office, Johnson. You're fired. 
You ridiculous, ridiculous, silly, silly man. Holy shit. What a piece. Well done, New York Times. Utterly fantastic. Uh, this, like everything we've re- we refer to tonight, ladies and gentlemen, will be in the show notes. An appropriate segue into our next item here. I haven't watched this yet. I usually don't pre-watch stuff. I usually don't pre-read stuff. I'll watch like 30 seconds or I'll read like the first paragraph and I go, yep, that's good enough. Let's do it. I haven't even watched a second of this clip. I just, I can just tell already. I do enough of this. I do enough of this kind of content to know exactly what I'm going to get here. I can tell by the look on her face. I can tell by the backdrop. I can tell by that big logo, BBC News. And I can tell by the name of the clip, which is Fake News Generator, Who Starts Viral Misinformation? (laughs) Two and a half minutes. Who wants to learn something? Who wants to be educated? Let's have a look. Where does the fake news start? Maybe the fake news was invented in Oregon in 1960 by a white jogger. Huh? Let's have a look. Want to know why coronavirus started? Yeah. Or yes. what might cure it? Well, certainly. Want to know why, where, how coronavirus started? You don't need an investigation. You need to uh, stop asking questions. Australia, you're a troublemaker. Australia want to know how the virus started. They call uh, for investigation into China. You're very, why you be so disrespectful? China tried to be your friend. You want to be friend? This is a very dangerous world out there. Chi- Australia needs a friend. China can be a friend for you. You can be a good friend. Why you always got to be uh, starting a trouble? Be a uh, disrespectful. Want to know where the virus started? No. No, I don't. I do not want to know where the virus started. I don't want to offend anybody. There absolutely should not be an investigation. Did I do good, China? Yeah, that's that's better. You're good, Australia. You do what you told. You do what you told, Australia. China be a good friend for you. Want to know why coronavirus started? Yes. Or what might cure it? Well, search online and you'll find thousands of answers. Thousands. Many of which aren't true. Oh. I investigate disinformation for the BBC and I'm often... (laughs) I investigate disinformation for the BBC. She's a disinformation reporter. I would just say reporter. (laughs) Why bother with the extra title there? I, she hunts She hunts down disinformation. This will be fucking good. Asked, who starts these rumours and who spreads them? Well, as always, the answer isn't straightforward. No, never. So I've broken them down into five different types. You know, the idea of sharing information online and exchanging ideas and theorising and postulating and working out, you know, probability matrix for various events, various outcomes, plotting data points, seeing how things churn up in the wash, discerning the elements of truth from the truth and the lies from the facts and untangling all of these various narratives that exist in the social media realm and in the media. This is very complicated. It's very complicated stuff. So I've broken it down into five easy categories. To make it easy for you, the idiot. Here at the BBC, 
here at the BBC, we do our absolute best to make sure that you dumb motherfuckers out there in the audience understand what we're saying. I'm the disinformation reporter. This is very complicated for normal people, so I've broken it down into five very easy to follow steps. Are, are you ready? Let's go. Rad Hunter with the diamond. Thank you so much, sir. Thank you for joining us. I hope you're, I hope you're taking notes, boys and girls. There is going to be a test on this. There is going to be an exam. All right? All right? Let's go. Fake news generator. One, the Joker. The Joker. <laughs> UK Neil with the diamond says, British Bullshit Corporation. So which character? It's like, they see how they're doing the choose your fighter thing? <clears throat> you know what I love about... Um, like we've been attacking the quarantine laws and stuff for a while, and I'm, I'm going to do a little bit more of that tonight later on, so don't worry. Strap in or strap on. Your whatever preferred method. But one thing that I do love about the quarantine and the lockdown and ISO, as the kids are calling it on Instagram, I discovered yesterday. ISO. Did you know about that? I didn't know about that. I don't have Instagram. I think Instagram is trash. So I don't I don't bother with it. But somebody said, oh, look, this ISO is pretty cool. I'm like, what the fuck is ISO? Uh, isolation? Idiot? I'm like, okay, I'm the idiot. <laughs> so what? One good thing about ISO is we get to see just how good people like this lovely young lady, and I'm sure she's lovely, don't get me wrong, I'm sure she's a very nice person. We get to see just how good they are at their job, and the answer is not very. Like, the production quality of this, she's her mic, her audio is terrible, right? Like, see, look where, she, look where she's got the lapel mic, right? It's on her shoulder. That's no good there, sweetheart. See, because if the it's those little lapel mics are very directional, meaning they kind of have to be pointed in the direction of your mouth. If they're pointing off in another direction, it's gonna the audio is gonna sound like this. Hey guys, I'm here for the I'm here to teach you all about disinformation. You know, it's very complicated. So I've broken it down into five easy to follow steps. That that's the way it's going to sound. Now, you don't have to be like a superstar audio engineer or anything to figure this out. It's just a matter of testing, listening back, adjusting, testing, listening back, adjusting until you get it right. Maybe take you an afternoon. No, too much effort. That's too hard. For the BBC. The BBC, which takes millions and millions and millions and millions of pounds from taxpayers to exist. They exist at the behest of the taxpayers. And the, Ben K. Veritas, she's a real gumshoe. <laughs> and, right? But without their production teams, without their production suites, without their people making them look good and sound good, you discover that a lot of these people at the BBC, at Fox News, at CNN, at MSNBC, you, you discover that they are just really, really, really average YouTubers. And this is coming from an average YouTuber right? Very average. But I mean, if I had the budget that the BBC had, I think I could do a little more with it than here we are today to talk about misinformation and, and look at the, the cheesy choose your character. Like, look at this, the, the cheesy choose your fighter graphics, right? If I had millions of dollars to spend, this is what I came up with. 
guys, this is a joke, right? You're kidding, aren't you? Anyway, they're going to teach us about where disinformation comes from and why we should trust the BBC. People have been sharing funny posts and memes online. Yeah. And some of them are pretty good, but others go too far and people actually believe that they're true. <laughs> we spoke, we, we made this, yes, we, we made this point yesterday. How much longer collectively is society? I, 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 I've got to admit, I think I know the answer and you're not going to like it. But, you know, as a rhetorical exercise, how much longer do you think the people in society are going to accept being spoken to like children by these fucking clowns? Right? <laughs> yeah, too far. Who decides what, how a meme goes too far? This isn't a new thing. Remember War of the Worlds? When that came out, people were building underground bunkers to protect themselves from the alien invasion when they heard that radio cast years ago. It's been happening forever. It's been happening since people drew like little doodles on the insides of caves. Wait, wait, there's, there's a demon god roaming the earth? Oh my God. It's like, no, 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 that's just a finger painting. Don't worry about it. It's, not, it's just our art corner. How many of those like paintings on the inside, ancient paintings on the inside of caves that we attribute like all of this cultural wisdom to was actually just people fucking around drawing pictures? You know what I mean? People on the inside of caves like, yeah, we're going to put the horns here and we're going to put the cat on the throne of Egypt and we're going to draw the cats around everywhere. And to this day, historians are like, the ancient Egyptians really believed that the cats were uh, above and above all the humans. They were the preferred animal. They loved their cats. They said that cats were godly, when in reality it was like two six-year-olds. Oh, like, oh, look, a kitty. <laughs> Draw a little kitty on the wall. Who, do, who knows? Like, I used to always think growing up, when you saw documentaries of dinosaurs, and it was like, Bruh! I'm like, how do we know it didn't meow or cluck like a chicken? Who knows? <laughs> you don't know what sound a dinosaur made. Maybe they spoke like that really smart gremlin in Gremlins 2. You know, the one who does the talk show? Who knows? Anyway, we get a little off track here. How long are we going to accept collectively as a society being spoken to like fucking children by these people? Unfortunately, I think the answer is probably forever because most people just lap it up. There's a very small, you know, like a community that we're all a part of here. That doesn't that just sees right through it instantly and doesn't like it and it annoys us. But for most people, they'll just go, "Oh, isn't this educational? I had no idea. I had no idea that jogging was invented in 1960. I had no idea that running was also racist. Who knew? But what about all the black people winning the races? What? Didn't you read the report? Yes, I read the report. So you'll agree then, running is racist. Okay. So listen to this. Lots of people have been sharing funny posts and memes on Funny posts. And some of them are pretty good. Some of them are pretty good, but sometimes they go too far. F too far for whom? For you? <laughs> Do they offend you? Oh. <laughs> I mean, everybody loves a joke, but when a joke goes too far, I think it's time to put a stop to it. You know, it's all fun and games until somebody loses an eye, you know what they say. Kitty B in the chat. Yeah, it's like the toys we used to have. They just bring them back out 10 years later with different names. Nothing new under the sun. Yeah, I saw a kid playing with a yo-yo the other day on the street. Like, really? 
It made me happy, though. Because I'm like, wow, yo-yos, man. Fuck yeah. I had the big butterfly yo-yo when I was a kid. Could do all the tricks. It's like somebody's, somebody's keeping the art form alive. But others go too far, and people actually believe that they're true. Look, look at the shock on her face. People actually believe that the memes are true. It goes too far. The BBC, darling, I hate to break this to you. The BBC is a fucking meme. The place that you work for is a meme now. Collect it. You are a joke, like as an organization. There's good people at the BBC. There's still good people at the New York Times. Like, for example, the, the people who write about tech and stuff at the New York Times are still very, very, very good. I don't know how they've managed to keep that section of their uh, newspaper still reasonably pure. But the tech guys at um, the New York Times are good at what they do. They actually do expose things. They actually do report facts. They actually do put a spotlight on shitty things that are going on in the tech world. So credit to them for that. I don't know how they get away with it. <laughs> possibly the editor doesn't bother. Possibly the editor doesn't read the tech section of his own fucking newspaper. That's the only guess that I can come up with. But it's, they still manage to do a good job. But the BBC is a meme. Nobody respects the BBC anymore. There are good people, you know, a few good people there, and they do a few good things from time to time. But the, from, the general idea is that the BBC is kind of rubbish. Oh, these memes, they've, people, the memes go too far and people think it's real. People think the BBC is real, but that doesn't make it so, right? Two, the scammer. The scammer. He's not looking to make money. These goddamn grifters. From the pandemic. Some create fake texts trying to get hold of your bank account details. Or others plug dodgy advice, looking to sell their remedies and cures. Ah, here we go, here we go. The scammers trying to sell their remedies and cures. I've I've always had the opinion, right? So, like, say the Federal Drug Administration, the FDA. I'm of the view, and people say that this is an extreme view, but I don't care. I'm of the view that the Federal Drug Administration only exists to raise prices and withhold medicine. Like there is no other reason for it to be there. And people say, oh, well, but you know, you can't just have companies putting out medicine that might be potentially dangerous and hasn't been tested and hasn't been cleared. I'm like, of course you can. Why not? <laughs> and then that's usually when people go, oh, you're crazy. I'm like, well, think about it. If I start a pharmaceutical company and all of the people that take my medicine start dying, I'm not going to be in business very long, am I? Like, people dying from taking my product is not good for business. So I'm going to try and avoid that anyway. I can do that without the FDA. And then, this, by the same token, leave it up to people. Because people are going to find, you know, special and inventive ways, creative ways to kill themselves anyway. They don't need the government protecting them. You know, they'll, like we just touched on Monday night, they'll just drink fish tank cleaner if they, if they think it will cure them of a disease. You may as well let the pharmaceutical companies just put stuff out. Why not? And if people start dying, don't buy the product anymore. <laughs> but, you know, when it comes to economics, I'm, I'm pretty on the... I'm right over there on the right-hand side of the scale, so... A friend once said, I'm slapping Milton Friedman on the ass when it comes to economics. Disband the FDA. Let people just invent their own drugs. Let them invent their own pharmaceutical products. 
And if people start dying, well, that's a good indicator that you should probably not buy that product. That's good enough for me. Let the market decide. <laughs> Three, the politician. The politician. The people in charge can also spread fake news. Really? That includes officials and state-sponsored media from around the world. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, don't you love how these assholes at places like the BBC, the ABC, the CBC, the taxpayer, the PBS, right? The taxpayer-funded news organisations of the Western world have the audacity to point to other news organisations and refer to them as state-sponsored media. No, no, you are too. The BBC literally exists thanks to taxpayers, thanks to state funding. You are state-sponsored media. Well, you can't trust these organisations in other countries. You know, these other countries out there with their state-sponsored media like the Russians, like the Chinese and the North Koreans. But you're the same. Without the state, you would cease to exist. (laughs) Again, people will just lap it up. People will never make that connection. You think, like, if you're somebody that's involved in, and I get it, man, I used to be like this. I used to have hope. If you're somebody that's involved, like, you want to change minds and you want to change the world and you want to wake people up, okay, fine, fucking knock yourself out. But you're going to end up being, you're going to die a very bitter and disappointed person because most people are dumb. Most people. Not half, not a few. Most of them are stupid. So most people will not make that connection. When the BBC accuses other people of being state-sponsored media, they won't for one second ever consider that the BBC is also state-sponsored media. No. No, no, we love our BBC. They do some tremendous programming. You know, I was watching a little bit of uh, Stepford, is it Stepford and Sons? I was watching a little bit of Keeping Up Appearances. You know, they're doing the Faulty Towers rerun again. It's fucking lovely. It's absolutely lovely. I love myself a little bit of BBC. I'm very disappointed that Top Gear's not on it anymore. I re- I rather miss that program. But, you know, BBC, we love our BBC here. Well, you know, it's state-sponsored media, right? <laughs> Get out of here. Get out of here. The BBC is an institution of the people. All right. You sound just like a communist now. <laughs> Step toe and son, thank you. I knew, I knew you'd fucking correct me. It's a, it, it belongs to the people of the, of the United Kingdom. The BBC is an institution. <laughs> you sound exactly like a communist describing state-sponsored media, unironically. Whatever. Officials in China and the US have been trading yeah. misinformation since the start of the virus, each accusing the other of deliberately creating it. <laughs> I'm just going to let that one settle where it is. I, I, I'm, I'm going to stand on that. Would you like a hit to it? No, no, I'll stand on that. I'll stand on 18. Thank you very much. Of course, neither of those claims are true. And Neither of them are true. <laughs> just two claims. I'm, I'm glad that she's making this so easy for us to follow. This is terribly complicated business, this disinformation hunting. How long has she trained for this fucking job? <laughs> well, I've looked into... I've looked into both sides. You know, China is accusing the United States of starting the virus and the United States is accusing China of starting the virus and I've looked into it. They're both wrong. You know, I looked it up on Snopes. My, my investigation is complete. <laughs> I researched Snopes and it came up 
not necessarily kind of true. So that's that's what we're running with. There are concerns about foreign interference. Mm. That's when states spread mm. misleading information abroad in order to further their own aims. Yeah. But it can be very difficult to trace interference back to the people in charge. Can it really? Or to figure out who are behind networks of yeah. fake accounts that are pushing misleading information. You're not trying hard enough. You give me two bowls of ramen noodles and five guys from 4chan, we'll figure it out in 20 fucking minutes. It can be very difficult to track down the sources of these reports. It's a very complicated, it's a very murky world out there. Very complicated, very murky world. It's very difficult. Very difficult. These kinds of investigations take years sometimes. And, you know, you don't really know where the misinformation is coming from. You don't know where it comes from. It's very hard to track these Twitter accounts and go to go back to a certain person. And before she's finished the sentence, somebody on 4chan is like, found it. <laughs> I, f I found where it comes from. Oh, we're not, we're not taking any information from those people, those nasty people. They're all, they're all Nazis over there. They're all Nazis and Hitler youth. We don't listen to them. That, that's, that's a source for most of the information, misinformation that comes out about a BBC. Four, the conspiracy theorist. These my, my personal favourite. I, I do love me a good conspiracy theory, don't you? People think that nothing is as it seems. They've falsely linked 5G to coronavirus, speculated yep. about who created it, yep. or even suggested that coronavirus doesn't exist at all. <laughs> None of these are true. These are <laughs> Thank you, BBC. Didn't you, didn't you hear the moderately attractive girl from the BBC? There's nothing to see here. Carry on with your day. Go about your business, dear citizen. There is nothing to report here. I check Snopes, it's fine. Ideas have been bouncing around on the internet for a while. Yeah. But they've started getting more attention ah. as worried people look for quick answers Do to their they? questions. Worried people look for quick answers. Well, I mean, it's better than it's better than providing no answers whatsoever, right? But at least they've got something going for them. Who's number five? Five. The insider. <laughs> Oh, we fucking, uh, I hope she hates whistleblowers too. The Insider. There's information that apparently comes from someone you'd trust, uh, an unnamed doctor, professor, or hospital worker. <laughs> you mean unnamed sources? <laughs> These... How do these people keep self-owning themselves all the time? All the time. <laughs> the, other, the other way that fake news gets out there is from this, because we've broken it down into five categories to make it nice and simple for you fucking idiots out there in the audience. This is the BBC. We are an authority on this topic. I'll have you know. <laughs> Judging Amy says, I look nothing like that insider. That's a Chad insider right there. Look at that guy. It's a cool motherfucker. So we've broken it down into five categories. Where the fake news comes from, where the disinformation... I'm a disinformation hunter here at the BBC. And we've broken it down into five categories. Number five is the insider. So that's somebody... That's an unnamed source. You know, it might be a doctor or somebody in a politician's uh, staff or, you know an unknown member of a particular organization. How did you research this? 
Well, an unnamed source got in touch with me and said that there's so many insiders out there spreading disinformation. <laughs> so I ran with it. I know my sort. My unnamed sources are all right. My unnamed sources are fucking gold. But everyone else's, mm, 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 don't know about them. Don't know about them. <laughs> Joy of Pessy, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, please, if you're not following, Joy of Pessy, give him a round of applause for making it to 500, ladies and gentlemen. 500 D-Live followers for our friend Joy of Pessy. And uh, little announcement. I don't. Am I allowed to break this? Am I, am I allowed to say this? I don't know. It's an exclusive. <laughs> steal, steal an exclusive from Joy of Pessy. Jacob Pitt with the diamond. Thank you for for the diamond, sir. Says, choose your ninja. Exactly. The choose your fighter meme. They're very original at the BBC. Uh, Joy of Pessy, Friday night, ladies and gentlemen, the next edition of Higher Learning. Yours truly will be do- joining Joy of Pessy and the other Joy Boys Friday night at midnight for another edition of Higher Learning. I'll say, I'll let, I'll let you in on a little secret, what we're doing. The topic that we're doing Mind games. Trickery of the mind. We're going to be watching a video of a mind illusionist teaching us about the power of the mind. How to create magic with the mind. How you too can become a master of your own mind and master the minds of other people. <laughs> so it should be, we will all be Svengalis by the time I am done. Exactly. So Friday night, midnight, ladies and gentlemen, Joy of Pessy, dlive.tv slash Joy of Pessy. But it turns out they don't exist. Or if they do, they don't it exist. seems to be a game of Chinese whispers gone wrong. Chinese whispers? That's kind of racist, you bitch. <laughs> Can the BBC for one day put their white supremacy aside and at least be nice, responsible human goddamn beings on the internet? She sounds like a ramen noodle enthusiast. And this misinformation goes viral because it's shared. It's shared. Often by a relative in your WhatsApp group. (laughs) Don't don't trust your mum. Do not trust your mothers. Do not trust your fathers. Don't trust your sisters and your brothers and your nieces and your nephews. All right? Don't trust any of them. They're sharing misinformation. They're sharing it. This is how misinformation gets out there. Your little WhatsApp group, you are literally causing all of this confusion and chaos. You're the problem. Just come to us. Just come to me here at the BBC, the disinformation hunter at the BBC, and I'll let you know. I'll tell you what's real and what ain't real. I'll tell you what's right and what's wrong. Stop sharing things in WhatsApp groups. Passes it on just in case, mm-hmm. or by a celebrity who amplifies it to their thousands of followers. Thousands. Tech companies, media regulators, and governments decide what happens when people start and spread misinformation. Oh, here we go. Yeah. But ultimately, we're all responsible for stopping its right. spread. Check out our top tip. <laughs> Mariana's three golden rules for spotting and stopping misinformation. <laughs> the golden rules from Mary fucking Anna. The state-sponsored media government employee <laughs> disinformation hunter for the BBC, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, let's take a quick five-minute break. Got plenty more to get through. Once again, I've done like two items when I've got 50. Uh, so uh, another quick little announcement, if I may. 
I'll, I'll be on Joy of Pessy Friday night for another edition of Higher Learning, which is really the better of the two nights, let's be honest here, because Joy of Pessy does Friday night and Saturday night. So on Friday night, he gets guys like myself, and that's really the, all that matters. <laughs> he gets, gets a guy like me on a Friday night to provide educational content to the masses. Stuff that you don't get anywhere else. I mean, we, we, we came up with Smens, didn't we? So it's really the A-team on a Friday night. Myself, Joy of Pessy, uh, Irrational Times was there once, JJ Stoner, Major Tom, of course. How can we forget about Major Tom? It's, it's really like the brotherhood of the Smens. That's your Friday night, higher learning. Then on Saturday night, he does the Saturday night riff party at midnight, which is watching movies and making jokes. It's not very serious. It's not really that important. And they get guys like, you know, Mersh from Nightwave or Ryan Long, people with supposedly, you know, what they would call big followings, whatever that means. I, I just think it's all fucking masturbation. So obviously Friday night is the, is the superior of the two nights. So if you're going to watch any night of Joy of Pessy, watch both of them just to see how much better Friday night is. So I'll be on Joy of Pessy this Friday night, midnight, <laughs> on an unrelated topic. But I'll also be doing uh, another edition of the Daily Boogie here, 6 p.m. Friday night, ladies and gentlemen, because I've got to get through some of this stuff that I've got saved up. It's just one of those, I've got so much material. And and now I just realize that I'm wasting minutes explaining how much material I have instead of actually going through the material that I have. So, you know, live and learn. We're, we're all amateurs here, especially at the BBC. So uh, I'll take a quick five-minute break. Remember, Friday night, Joy of Pessy, midnight, dlive.tv slash Joy of Pessy, and uh, another edition of The Daily Boogie at 6 p.m. on a Friday night, ladies and gentlemen. I'll see you in five minutes. This is The Daily Boogie. Uh, stick around. Plenty more to come up after the break. your novelty comedy songs organic handmade with painstaking care put into every note well look no further than irrational times using only the finest instruments to create an experience that your ears will thank you for later irrational times attempts to elevate the whimsy to a desirable level new songs and sketches every week so check it out. Idiot boogie bumper. Idiot boogie bumper. Idiot boogie Really giving that one a workout? Come on. Dlive.tv slash JJ Stone. And we love JJ here on the show. It's the J.J. Stoner Spring Collection, the perfect attire for any and every occasion you can think of this season. Like we were in the mosh pit full of sweat and everyone slapping, hitting, and pulling on you. This shit won't rip. 
Lunch at your favorite cafe? Brunch with the girls? These stylish ensembles will give you the confidence you need to look and feel your best. Or if you're getting arrested for possession, it comes with a built-in police stick-proof body armor. Keep swinging, pigs! Call now and your order will come with a complimentary ounce of that dankest bubblegum slur cane that the South has to offer. Don't forget the wall tapestry! If you need to cover your wall, it works! Hello, my name is Frozen Asian, and I like to tell you about my show, The Sunday Night Shit Show, every Sunday night at 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, along with good conversations and laughing at funny and weird shit we find on the internet. We also have The Hat Cam, where I showcase my myriad of great-looking hats. Here is a testimonial from a great friend of mine who has enjoyed my hats lately. Hi. I hope your next hat is a bullet. Jesus Christ, what are you, fucking Asian Dick Tracy? <laughs> you. Why do you have to ruin my evening? Like, I, I'm just going to just listen, you know, listen to my bud do their show. And you, you got to, you just got to do that. You just do it without the hat. So you're not enjoying it? No! No! <laughs> Dude, Asian uh, come Dick on, Tracy. I really enjoy it. You look no. like you're going undercover <laughs> in, in Argentina, but it's not working. I hate you. <laughs> I hate you. I oh, hate come on, you secretly really love it. <laughs> no, no, I openly hate it. <laughs> <laughs> and there you have it. Uh, so... Subscribe to the Sunday Night Shit Show at youtube.com slash Sunday Night Shit Show. And uh, hope to see you there on Sunday nights. Bye. Feeling depressed? Need someone to tell you it's not okay? Do you like goth public access TV? Then join me for The Big Empty every Sunday at noon. Major underscore Tom on DLive with zeros for O's because everything in your life is that difficult. There's a place that we can go to watch old things. All the warm, fuzzy member berries it brings. It's a special little spot tucked away on D-Live. Enjoy the joy of Pessie. Can't be old movies and old cartoons. We hope to see you over there very soon. It's our special little spot tucked away on D-Live. Enjoy the joy of Pessie. When we were kids and there wasn't any school We'd sit and watch all the best cartoons Eating cereal until it was noon We never thought that 30 years later It'd still be cool Saturday night and cheesy movies The ones that used to show us boobies It's our special little spot tucked away on D-Live Enjoy the joy of Pessy. Enjoy the joy of Pessy. Enjoy the joy of Pessy. This Justin, the global officials that can help all, also known as Got You, have now banned all boogieing and boogie-related movements worldwide. Public safety is the main concern, they say. 
and people are reminded that boogieing is contagious. Anyone caught boogieing will be dealt with in the harshest terms police have reported. More right away. this world can get you down. There's just one thing you can do. You gotta get back up and shake it all around. No one's gonna tell me how I'm gonna boogie. Come on, everybody boogie puppet tonight. No one's gonna tell me how I'm gonna boogie. Come on, everybody boogie puppet tonight. No one's gonna tell me how to boogie. Come on, everybody boogie puppet tonight. Coming back. Second half of the show, ladies and gentlemen, Daily Boogie Podcast on a Wednesday night. I am Boogie Bumper. Be around for another hour or so. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for sticking around. So much more to get through. Where to begin? Well, where shall we start? How about we go here? Uh, So, yeah, like I said just before the break, Friday night, 6pm, another edition of the Daily Boogie. And to be honest, if you... I I have liked the last couple of weeks when I've done a Thursday night and a Friday night being able to do, like, less newsy stuff and... This, some of the stuff that I've got in the archive, like if you like, you know, the um the lighter side of what we do here on this program, then tune in on Friday night. You'll enjoy it because some of this stuff is fucking dynamite. We'll be catching up with old friends. We'll be making some new friends. There's one article in particular that the women in the audience are going to want to be here for. I'm, that's all I'm going to say. Last week, we were given away a dildo. This week, we're going above and beyond i know it's a low bar we're, we're gonna set it right up here friday night 6 p.m another edition of the daily boogie please join us if you could and then after that irrational times at 9 p.m hosting cousin dan and some other guy that nobody likes and then of course 10 o'clock Nightwave. and then after Nightwave, yours truly and the a team joy of pessy dlive.tv slash joy of pessy for higher learning Let's get into this. Following on from a discussion that we were having on Monday, <clears throat> well, a discussion we've been talking about for the last couple of weeks, contact tracing. Now, you remember the clip that we played on Monday's show from the California County where the health advisor, like the health administrator, whatever you want to call these bureaucratic slugs, whatever title they award themselves um, you know, to sound important and give themselves a false sense of authority, for us peasants to, you know, scurry out of the way of when they walk down and say, oh, sorry, sir. Yes, we should. Yes, I want you to lock innocent people up for, for breaking no law based on the authority of some health expert, some unelected health expert. That sounds like a fucking marvellous idea. <laughs> um, so following on from that discussion, I caught this little clip, and I do love the local ne- the way local news attacks this. Sometimes it's good to break out of cable news and go to the source, directly to the source. And I will never get bored of seeing people on the street. Look at this. All three of them wearing fucking masks on television. <laughs> they look so ridiculous. Winning TV with a diamond. Thank you for joining us. Winning TV, Saturday night, by the way, 8 p.m. till God knows when. DLive.tv slash winning TV. Our good friend Phil D'Angelo. Still waiting on that new promo from Phil D'Angelo because Phil's lovely co-host. Uh, well, is she the co-host or is she, um, is she just there to make you look worse you know because she's 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 pretty she's got that southern drawl she's lovely the lovely doc martin uh, 
she's got a new she's got her microphone set up. She's got her microphone set up properly now. So I'm waiting for a new promo from Phil for winning TV so I can put it in my little promo roll. So you need to get Doc on the ball, mate. You need to get Doc in the studio, record that promo again, get it to me. Like right now. But honey, I just don't have the time. I'm just so busy being a sweet southern girl. <laughs> Doc Martin, Phil D'Angelo, Sunday night, ladies and gentlemen. Make me look worse. I thought so. Just to bring just to keep you level. Keep you level headed. Uh, Gypsy with a diamond. Thank you, Gypsy. Where did you steal the diamond, Gypsy? Who did you steal the diamond from, Gypsy? Thank you for joining us. So following on from that, I will never get sick of these um, absolute fucking clowns all standing around in masks on TV. Like, why even go on camera? Like, I know, I, I understand the irony of that here because look at me. But this is kind of my thing now, sitting in the shadow. So, you know, like the smoking man from the X-Files. See? It's kind of what I do now. Uh, but why even go on camera? Like, do, you, do we need to see that you're outside? Is the report more authoritative if you're standing in front of uh, the bridge or Central Park or whatever, right? This is in New York. So let's see what's happening in the great state of New York, ladies and gentlemen. Contact tracing. It's not just a California problem. It's a you problem if you're in New York. Let's go. Pandemic and also the big surge in unemployment Again, we're going yeah. to begin our coverage with Eyewitness News reporter Mike Marsley. He's live. Let's go, Mike. What do you got for us? Michael? Bill, the NYPD will begin increasing their enforcement of social distancing rules here okay. at Domino Park. You can see telling people to stay apart. They're going to hammer home that message. Hey, gee, that sign on that rail there is sure to keep people apart, isn't it? <laughs> if there's one thing I know about New Yorkers, having never been there, I have uh, spoken with a few of them online, uh, in person. I have observed from afar, you know, because New York is New York, right? Everybody in the world knows New York. So much of New York culture permeates outside of New York and outside of the United States. Like, you know, think of so many, um, you know, TV shows based in New York. So many comedians come out of New York. The best comedians come out of New York. So much culture, like Broadway, right? So, so much stuff comes out of New York. So many movies based in New York, TV shows. And then when you interact with people from New York, right? Um, if there's one thing that we can all be certain of, if there's one thing we can all agree on when it comes to New York, is that one sign on a rail near the, near the Hudson River, I assume that's the Hudson River, one, one sign on a rail is enough to make... Because New Yorkers love following rules. <laughs> New Yorkers just love following the rules. <laughs> Coming up after the break, why all of these African-Americans in the Bronx aren't following the rules. Hey, you can't say that. Can't say that. What the hell is wrong with you? What the fuck is this foreigner anyway? Why am I listening to this? Carol, did you know that jogging was invented in the 1960s in Oregon? Really? Really? I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. It was invented in Oregon in the 1960s. Nobody jogged before then. You don't say. It's true. It's true. Read it in the New York Times. Well, must be true. You know, did you know it's also a sport that's dominated by white people? Really? Running? Yeah. That's so, that's so funny because I thought this Usain Bolt guy was a big deal. No, he's not really. 
They're all, all, the, all the best runners in the world. They're all white because they keep the black people out through the racism, you see. The racism, you say. Yeah, the racism. Huh. No idea. New Yorkers love following the rules. Snap begins tomorrow. The weather may help. But tonight, the growing concern for parents about this new, rare, potentially deadly disease. Eight-year-old Jaden Hardawar is now off a ventilator and yeah. recovering from a rare, mysterious illness likely linked to COVID-19. <laughs> rare, mysterious, likely linked. So what, they don't know the name of the disease. They don't know the name of the rare disease that the kid has, but they know that it's somehow linked to COVID-19. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Did you know that jogging was invented in the 1960s in Oregon? I, d- I had no idea. <laughs> it's good, isn't it? I love this stuff. I love it. I can't get enough. He was rushed to a New York City hospital last week after mm-hmm. he turned blue. Mm. Immediately. Violet, you're turning violet, Violet. My, uh, my older boy, he... Maybe he ate the wrong sweetie in Willy Wonka's factory. It's a mystery. It's a mystery disease. Get under bed. And he starts to... Desert Cat, thank you for joining us. Thank you for the diamond. From the chest. Similar to Kawasaki disease, the rare condition targets uh-huh. infants to teens. Symptoms include persistent fever, yep. severe abdominal pain, yep. accompanied by vomiting or diarrhea, mm. rapid breathing, swollen hands, feet, and lip nodes, okay. and that distinct body rash. Ugh. You can get to your pediatrician early, get the child seen early. Uh, there's always, you know, always chances of a better outcome. At least 73 cases across New York. 11 children are being treated at Maria Ferreri's Hospital in Westchester. At this point in the report, put your hand up. Put your hand up if you've noticed what I've noticed. That what they've done here... They've put one line of this report, and this is how you give, this is how you feed conspiracy, right? We watched that bullshit report from the BBC before. Oh, this, how does disinformation spread? This is how it really spreads, like through shit like this, through reporting standards like this. So, wedged in between the stories, and nobody likes kids getting sick, man. I get it, right? Nobody likes seeing kids get sick. It happens, though. It's fucking life, right? Um, just think yourself lucky if your kid doesn't get sick. That's the best you can hope for. So wedged in between all of the sad stories about kids getting sick and the pictures of the kids with the rashes and the kids in hospital, right? Wedged in between all of that sadness and misery and badness is just one line. This is linked somehow to COVID-19. Now, remember, this is a report about in why we need to enforce social distancing in New York City, right? That's the whole point of this little three minutes. You haven't heard, so far in this report, we're halfway through it. It's a little three-minute piece. You haven't heard one mention of what the guidelines actually are. You've not heard one quote from a police chief or something like that saying what the guidelines are. You've got no quotes from a scientist or a virologist explaining why it's important to have the guidelines. None of that. What you get is pictures of sick children a mystery disease and a claim that the mystery disease is linked to COVID-19. And they literally said, somehow. (laughs) That's how you start disinformation. That's how you get conspiracy theory started. 
because the people who are not dense enough to the people who watch that and don't just automatically like download it and start repeating it the people who actually go hang on a minute you aren't really explaining anything in this report and then they'll start theorizing about what what else what else aren't they telling us what don't they see what what are what aren't they revealing here why is this mystery illness linked to covid-19 they're not explaining anything that's how disinformation starts it starts with you <laughs> corporate media it doesn't just get invented like in the ether by strange people who live in basements and eat ramen noodles. It gets started by you, by the actions you take. Because that's what creates the flow-on effects after it, right? The death of a five-year-old boy in New York City yesterday is yep. now being investigated. Yep. In nearly right. all the cases, the children, children are dying, okay? And tested positive for COVID-19 antibodies, right. meaning they had the virus but didn't get sick until four to six weeks after becoming infected. Thank you for the diamond, Monica. She says, Nana and Pop Pop ain't working. Send in the children. <laughs> this is every parent's nightmare, right? Here it is. Look, yeah. nightmares, mystery illnesses, death, horrifying, nightmarish trauma, parents be afraid. Bang, 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 bang. Beating you over the head. No, no evidence, no arguments, right? And I, like, I'm not even one of the people that says, "Oh, it's all, it's all a conspiracy, it's all a flu." I don't think that. But it's stuff like this that leads me down that path because you're so bad at this. It's so obvious. I'm not emotionally swayed by your imagery. I'm not emotionally swayed by you, Mister Cuomo, talking about. Nightmares for parents, the dead children. Oh, that doesn't that doesn't get me. I'm not one of those buyers. I'm sorry. It doesn't work on me. You have to be better than that. And I suspect m more people are, you know, coming to that conclusion as well. I'm not the only one here. That your child may actually be affected by this virus. Today, the city announced the formation of a test and 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 I won't be guilted into it either. That's the other thing. Because, you know, if you don't go along with the concern, if you don't go along with the program, you get accused of hating children. Oh, you are an awful person. You just want people to die. I've heard that so much over the last 10 years that I, it doesn't, it's water off a duck's back. If somebody says, oh, you just want all the old people to die, now I just, I'm just like, well, they're going to die of something, right? <laughs> I don't like old people. Do you? <laughs> I just agree with people now. Just because just it shuts them up. You're a, you're a horrible white supremacist who wants old people to die. I'm like, yeah, okay, all right, whatever. <laughs> if, if you say so, whatever. Thank you. Thank you, random internet person, for telling me who I really am. <laughs> why, why, why bother arguing? Why even bother arguing with these idiots? Just let them go. They'll, they'll, they'll tire themselves out, and then they'll crawl up into their bed and have a little nap after a little glass of milk. They'll be fine. They're not going to bother anyone. Race Corps deploying 2,500 so-called foot soldiers by June, hoping to. Now comes the rub. Sorry, I'm 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 windbagging again. Did you hear that? Did you hear that? So you've got the dead children, you've got mystery illnesses, you've got nightmares for parents. Now look what happens at the end of this little report. This is so fucking cute. 
virus. Today, the city announced the formation of a test and trace core, deploying 2,500 so-called foot soldiers by June. <laughs> yeah. The trace and test core. Foot soldiers in the trace and test core because we need that militaristic imagery as well, right? You see, if we if we make it, if we associate it with a military operation, then people are going to take it really seriously. This we're fighting a war against this virus. We've started the trace and test core. We've got two and a half thousand foot soldiers. They're going to be out there. The Foot Clan, yes. <laughs> the Foot. It was just the Foot, wasn't it? Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. The Foot. <laughs> the Foot Clan. So we're going to have the foot soldiers out there. Two and a half thousand foot soldiers in the Trace and Test Corps. But see, after you've been mentally prepared for it, after you've been giving the, given the reason for it, what's the reason? Again, images of sick children in hospitals with rashes on their bellies and a claim that a mystery disease is somehow linked to COVID-19. That's enough. We need to get those foot soldiers out on the streets immediately. How many? A hundred? Two hundred? No! Two and a half thousand! The Trace and Test Corps is, needs to go operational right now. This is every parent's worst nightmare. We need those foot soldiers out there right now. And what did we learn from Monday night when we were watching the video of... Because remember, I said to you on Monday night, in that California county, they were talking about hiring thousands of people, literally, that's the quote, thousands of people to be tracing and testing and they're going to go around, they're going to get your contacts, they're going to speak to your friends, speak to your family members. They're going to come into your home and assess your living conditions. Because if you live in a home with other people, you need to be isolated. The health department directive from that county in California was, we will remove you from your home. We will have to put you somewhere else to keep you isolated. And I said, watch, it's not just in this county. There, there are health professionals and health de uh, departments all over the Western world who are all saying the exact same thing. We're just not hearing it yet. We just haven't gotten there yet. Now this clip. The, op the opposite side of the country, from California to New York, we're going to hire 2,500 people to be part of the testing corps. S foot soldiers. They're going to be doing tracking and tracing. Because, you know, what? think of the children. Think of the sick, poor children. Look at the rash on his... Look at the rash on little Timmy's belly. This is every parent's worst nightmare, right? By this virus. Today, the city announced the formation of a test and trace core, deploying 2,500 so-called foot soldiers by June, hoping to test 50,000 New Yorkers a day in the coming months. We're going to use every tool we have and I'm convinced we'll have a very high success rate. The mayor also cracking down on overcrowding, limiting the number of people allowed in piers 45 and 46 at Hudson River Park in the village, and increasing NYPD social distancing enforcement at Domino Park in Williamsburg. Increasing police enforcement. <laughs> increasing. Not decreasing. Because for all the bootlickers... And for all of the people who have said, look, just go along with it, and you, you know that this is most people. For all of the people who have said that, you know, 
libertarian hot takes like mine are just, you know, wacky conspiracy theories. Even though we've been proven correct time after time after time after time, a couple of months out that this shit would happen. For all of the people who have been saying, look, just go along with it because it's only going to be a couple of months and then we'll get back to normal, right? How many times have you fucking heard that? Look, just do what you have to do for this short period of time and then everything will go back to go back to the way it was. Don't be selfish. Just do what you're asked now so we can get back to reality later. How many times have you heard that? And then how many times have we said on this program, no, when you give people this power, they will not give it back. Ben K. Veritas with the diamond says, government is hiring workers for children confiscated. (laughs) When you give them this power, they don't want to give it up. They don't want to give it back. And so what did you just hear there? Oh, the cases are dropping. Oh, good. Everyone's following the rules. Oh, good. What are we doing? We're hiring more people. We are now going to hire two and a half thousand people to go around and start prying into your private life. They're going to find out where you've been, where you've been going, who you've been talking to, who you've been mixing with. They're going to come into your home and see how you live. (laughs) And if that's not good enough, we're going to instruct the police to start cracking down even harder on people. We're going to enforce more rules. We're going to give them more power. Yeah. More power, more laws, more lockups, more fines, more arrests, more enforcement. But guys, don't be ridiculous. You're being, you're being a stupid, hypocritical moron. You should just do what you're told. If everybody just follows the rules for two months, everything will go back to normal. Okay. They're just, they're, just hiring more, they're just hiring more government employees and enforcing more rules and creating more regulations and coming down harder on people who break those regulations because we should just follow the rules even better. We've been following the rules so well for the last two months that they needed to create more rules. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, New York City. Uh, the great state of Utah isn't going to be left out. Those, those tricky Mormons. I had no idea that those crafty little Mormons were so involved in the tech community. But here we are, direct from the great state of Utah, ladies and gentlemen. Let's have a look. Tech Utah report. researchers developing a new way to detect COVID-19. Our tech reporter, Jordan Hogan, joins us. <laughs> Hi, Jordan. <laughs> what the? I'm sorry. I shouldn't laugh. <laughs> I, I, I'm not normally a guy who does, you know, who makes jokes about the way people look. Okay. But come on. <laughs> look at the tech reporter. It looks like, it looks like a 17-year-old Fortnite professional. Now, for tonight's tech report, Utah professionals in the tech industry are coming up with new and inventive ways to track COVID-19. Let's go to our tech reporter, Jordan Willis. Hey, everyone. My dad let me out this afternoon. I'm looking forward. Does anyone anyone want to play Call of Duty later tonight? Just hit me up on Twitter. Yo, guys, looking for two team members for Call of Duty tonight. Going to be playing late. 
My dad said I can order pizza. <laughs> Bro, like I'm getting so good with my boxes and shit, building my boxes. Yeah, man, my fucking Fortnite game is like through the fucking roof, man. It's lit as fuck, bro. It's live this morning with more on how this all works. Good morning, Jordan. John and Amy, imagine being able to detect coronavirus with a... And he's English. <laughs> imagine being able to detect coronavirus with your phone. Just imagine that. My dad said my dad said I should get a, a part-time job whilst the, while nobody's going to school so I decided to work for Fox 13 in Utah <laughs> as their tech reporter. Oh works. Good morning, Jordan. My dad owns a dealership. <laughs> John and Amy, imagine being able to detect coronavirus with a smartphone. Jordan Hogan, Jordy Jerno. I got to give this kid a follow. I fucking love him. I'm I'm not having a go at him. I think it's amazing that I, I personally think it's amazing. This guy is obviously very driven. He's driven to succeed. And I think any 15-year-old who can become a tech reporter at that age and get on the news and get a regular job in the media needs to be fucking applauded. So congratulations, young man. When you, get, when you turn 21, I'll buy you a drink. Well, that's exactly what they're trying to do at the University of Utah. Yep. They're taking something they worked on before yep. and reworking it ah. for COVID-19. <laughs> COVID-19. Smile. The phone is going to tell us who has the virus. Okay, this should be good. What started as a device to help detect a completely different virus could become a big part of tracking COVID-19. We started this project about 12 months ago, and the main idea was to enable people to have their own personal sensors to detect Zika in places that they travel. Masood Tibib Azar is the lead engineer working on this project. The plan is to take the Zika virus sensor and program it to identify COVID-19 instead. Mm -hmm. Our prototype is going to be on the order of the size of a quarter, and it would be communicating with a cell phone using the Bluetooth link. If someone were to breathe, cough, sneeze, or blow on the sensor, it would be able to tell if someone had COVID-19. <laughs> What's the problem? It's very convenient, don't you think? Yeah, you like meet a girl at a date or something. You meet a girl at a bar, sit down next to her, you start talking, you're hitting it off. She's cute, you're funny, sparks are flying, magic is happening right before your eyes. Babe, before we take this to the next level, can you just breathe on my phone? <laughs> Practical solutions. Practical solutions for modern problems. With a 30k grant for, uh, to the university, Iceman in the chat. Just 30k? Fucking keep going. The results would then be displayed on a cell phone within 60 seconds. 60 it could also seconds. test for the virus on a surface by using a swab and placing it onto the sensor. Tabib Azar says he wants to make it possible to send the results to health agencies too. You there, there's, there's the rub. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like, you know what? That's not a bad idea. That's pretty good. That's pretty good tech that they can do that. But then they always have to go too far. They always have to go for that kill shot at the end, huh? Well, you know, this, this, this sensor is really, really fucking amazing. You know, you can just breathe into it and it'll tell you if you've got a COVID-19 in 60 seconds. You can even swab something on a desk and you can rub it on the sensor 
and it'll tell you if there's COVID-19 on the desk. Really? That's amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Is there anything else we should know? No, no, that's about it. Oh, by the way, uh, they do want to eventually just send your data to the health industry. Ah. <laughs> no, thanks. No deal. <laughs> we, we are hopeful that uh, one day we can get this to work directly with government enforcement agencies. So that way, if anybody breathes on their phone and it comes up that they might be sick, according to this cheap fucking $30 sensor that we're slapping on the back of the iPhone, uh, which will never malfunction, which will never have an issue, which, you know, obviously you'll always be able to contest the results yourself. <laughs> we just want to take all of the thinking out of the hands of the humans, if we can, if we can possibly do that. We want your phone to be thinking for you. We want the government to be thinking for you. So we, we would just like to be able to just send the data directly to the health professionals. And they can tell you when you're not allowed outside, when you've got to go to work. Maybe we can just send then the track and trace core directly to your home once they get that alert, right? Meow, 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 meow in the office. Red flag. Boogie Bubba just breathes on his phone. It looks like he's got COVID-19. Send out the track and trace core. Send out the foot soldiers. Get in there. Look at where he's living. He needs to be dragged out of that house immediately. I'm sure everything's fine. If you didn't think you were being soft promoted for this new normal reality, ladies and gentlemen, guess again, The Verge, Americans are surprisingly open to letting their phones be used for coronavirus tracking. Well done, America. Congratulations, America. You're following the rules. In a new study, more than half of the respondents said they would use an app to let people know they had COVID-19. I'll say, I've said it before and I've said it again. If you are on the side of privacy and individual freedom and civil liberty, you are in the minority. Today, Apple and Google released an... Uh, you've got Google, you've got Microsoft, you got Apple, you got Google and you got Amazon. That looks like MAGA to me. That's MAGA. That spells MAGA. Today... Apple and Google released an initial version of the API that represents the first phase. It's phase one, guys. <laughs> Ooh, I can't wait for phase two and phase three. Phase one is so exciting. I can't wait for the next phase. Phase one of their joint effort to enable public health authorities to quickly identify people who may have been exposed to new cases of COVID-19. By mid-May, it should be available to most health agencies. Good. And it's time to revisit a question we first asked here three weeks ago. Will Americans actually use these apps? That's the question posed in a new survey conducted by the University of Maryland and the Washington Post. The findings are mixed. Nearly three in five Americans say they are either unable or unwilling to use the infection alert system under development by Google and Apple, suggesting it will be difficult to persuade enough people to use the app to make it effective against the coronavirus pandemic. Well done. Among the 82% of Americans who do have smartphones, willingness to use an infection tracing app is split evenly, with 50% saying they definitely or probably would use such an app and an equal percentage saying they probably or definitely would not. Willingness depends. Uh, willingness runs highest among Democrats and people reporting they are worried about COVID-19 infection making them seriously ill. <laughs> Who would have thought that we would one day be in a, in a place where Democrat voters are the ones most likely to go 
with, like to just follow blindly, uh, government agencies. I'm old enough to remember like the first Iraq war and stuff when all of the Democrats were saying, you can't believe a thing that comes out of the government agencies. They always lie. Don't trust the CIA. Don't trust the FBI. Don't trust the NSA. Don't trust the public health authority. Don't trust any of them. They're all liars. They're all trying to scam you. It's all about, they're all trying to use big capitalism, man. Right? Now, it's just completely reversed. Now it's the Republicans who are like, don't listen to these motherfuckers. They're trying to scam us. It's the Democrats that say, what's wrong with you? The government loves you. It's bizarro land. It's opposite day. Uh, resistance is higher among Republicans and people reporting a lower level of personal worry about getting the virus. The first thing to say about this is it's very difficult to predict what people will do when they are asked to begin participating in big tech's exposure notification system. It might be true that, for the reasons of diminished trust in tech companies explored at some length in the post, a majority of Americans will indeed opt out of using the system. It seems to me just as likely that, when presented with a simple pop-up box on their phone asking if they want to participate, some healthy percentage of Americans will just tap yes. Because that's the that's the that's the key here, right? Hey, look, people aren't going to opt into this deal. People are skeptical. People are a little worried. Okay, let's just put a pop up on their screen and see if they hit the wrong button. <laughs> we'll trick them into accepting the fucking tracking data. We'll trick them into accepting the app. This is important. We're trying to save lives here, sir. Shouldn't we be more upfront and honest and transparent about what we're really doing here? No, no, fuck them. Fuck them. This is more important than people's own personal, you know, this is more important than treating people with respect. Just put the little pop-up on their screen, have them hit yes, and then we're rocking and rolling. Then we're good to go. Uh, On that theme, ladies and gentlemen, I have a little video for you. If I can find it. Here we go. Uh, this is from Australia, by the way, <clears throat> because we've had the app now for a few weeks and a lot of millions of people have downloaded it. Guess what? If you don't want to download this app, this is what you are now. People who refuse to download the COVID safe virus tracing app are the new anti-vaxxers. <laughs> yeah, you're a conspiracy theorist. You're a crazy, whacked out conspiracy theorist. Hey, just just download the app. Guys, just download the app that lets the government track all of your location data legally. Just hand over all of your personal data to big government without any debate or any discussion. Make it all legal and set a new precedent. What are you, some kind of crazy conspiracy theorist? <laughs> Why don't you trust them? What's wrong with you? Just do what we say and everything will go back to normal. Look out, Australia. There's a new breed of delusional idiot in town. The anti-appers. Oh, dun, dun, dun. who, like anti-vaxxers before them, are putting us all at risk. I'm killing people, apparently. I had no idea. I didn't download this app. Now I'm putting you at risk. How dare I, huh? See, this is what I was talking about before. If somebody's going to say to me, did you download the app? And I'll say no. And if they then turn around to me and say, you know you're putting everyone's lives at risk, I'll say, good. <laughs> Why argue with these people? Why argue with the bootlickers? Just agree with them. You're putting everyone's lives at risk. Yes, I am. 
because it's my dream to one day have a property where I hunt humans. What? Yeah, yeah, you fucking heard me. You don't understand. I'm putting everyone's life at risk because I actually come from the future. And in the future, it literally is the Hunger Games. And in my particular division, we only want the strong people. We only want the, the fittest to survive the coronavirus pandemic. So I'm actually working for my future state. Of you're, you're, you're dead for like 200 years at that point. You're not around. So you shouldn't even worry about what I'm doing. But I've come back from the future to this time today to make sure that the strong people don't download the app and so we can wipe out as many people as possible, putting everyone at risk to make sure that only the strong survive and procreate. That's that's what I'm here for. And then I go, you're an idiot. And I go, well, you fucking asked. <laughs> if there was any doubt those refusing to download the COVID Safe app are the new anti-vaxxers, just listen to their language. We all speak the same, apparently. It's all I, I, I and me, me, me. You're very selfish if you don't let the government track your whereabouts 24 hours a day. Did you know that? <laughs> you selfish man. <laughs> why can't you Why can't you have a little empathy and just let the government have your location done? <laughs> have a little sympathy for people and give up on this privacy stuff. You maniac, you selfish maniac. I have trust issues with the government, writes one objector. What an idiot. <laughs> I won't be coerced into downloading it, says another. I'll wait until the there are reports on battery life impact, thanks, offers a third, who clearly rates his phone battery life over his real life. Yeah, that's, that's the concern. Not since the anti-vaccination brigade invoked erroneous science to justify their choice not to immunise have we seen such grandstanding and self-serving nonsense. It's nonsense. If you don't download the big tech slash government personal location tracking app, ladies and gentlemen, whatever reason you have, it's nonsense. Self-serving nonsense. Think of the greater good. Don't you think everybody would be better off if we just get rid of this whole idea of privacy to begin with? Don't you think we should just dispense with that? Think about how we'll be keeping people safe. Your freedom for a price. For decades now, the anti-vaxxers have hysterically claimed that vaccines increase the risk of autism, even, even though the 1997 study linking the two was completely discredited and the surgeon who published the work lost his medical license. Uh, just a little caveat to that. We have literally watched videos and videos of the health experts that people like this tout as the authorities on the subject of COVID-19. Literally, the words literally come out of their own mouth that the vaccine may increase infection of COVID-19. We saw the, we watched the fucking video on Monday. Do you remember? Or was it Monday or was it late last week? The guy being interviewed on CNN. Well, the problem the problem with a vaccine is, uh, in some cases, it can actually increase the risk of uh, the rate of infection. <laughs> you skip to today, what a week later? Not even a week later, and now we're reading articles. You know, these crazy conspiracy theorists have the audacity to say that vaccines can increase the risk of infection. Where the hell did they get that idea? <laughs> Yet. They still refuse to vaccinate, even though the efficacy of immunization relies on widespread community update, uh, uptake. Pardon me. Selfishly, 
They regard the me as more important than the we. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's what's happening here. Yeah. Because yeah. I'm in favour. I defend um, civil liberties and I defend individual freedom because it's all about me, right? Like, because I want to give everybody the same set of freedoms because I want everyone to be able to be free and have their privacy protected because it's all about me. Do you see the projection that's happening here? <clears throat> the me, me, me part is really from them. Because they're like, you're putting me at risk. How dare you not download this app? How dare you not do what you're told? I want to feel safe. I want to feel better. I don't want to be put at risk. That's them. I'm the one saying like, I, I, would, if, I, would, I would rather my life go and have civil liberties for everyone else protected than the other way around. No, no, no. It's me, me, me. I, 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 me, me, me. Now anti-appers are hindering public health with their fear-mongering claim that their privacy is at risk. We're fear-mongers again. Like delusional conspiracy theorists, they appear to believe that the government COVID safe app is some big brother style surveillance system. <laughs> fucking audacity of this. No, that's, that is what it is. That is literally what it is. <laughs> they appear to think, like some whacked out conspiracy theorist, that the government's app is tracking their location. What does the app do? It tracks your location, you idiot. <laughs> Stop being a conspiracy theorist. There's a little video that goes along with this. It's called The COVID Safe App, Why Most of, most of Us Won't Download It Unless Everyone Does. Remember what I was saying before? Like, so what they did in China, we've, we've watched the clips of what happens in China. So in China, right, because th this is the thing that I've been trying to push. They're going to say that it's not compulsory. This is their, this is their workaround. This is their loophole. They're going to say this kind of stuff is not compulsory. Hey, relax. You don't have to download it, okay? You've got concerns about privacy. You're a conspiracy theorist. We get it, bro. We, that's okay. That's fine. You don't have to download it. It's not compulsory. It's voluntary. It's like, oh, good. But then what happens after that? After that, it's going to be, look, the app is voluntary, but if you want to travel into the city on public transport, I'm afraid you're going to have to have the app. <laughs> if you want to go to work, if you want to leave the house, you're going to have to have the app. You don't have to have the app, but if you want to do stuff, you have to have the app, right? It's not compulsory. You don't have to have the app. If you want to leave your home, though, you have to have the app. <laughs> That's coming. That's next. So look at the rationale here. Look, at the, the programming is in the writing itself. Most of us won't download it unless everyone does. Pressure people, right? Social pressure. Peer pressure people into downloading it. Insult them. Mock them. Say that they're conspiracy theorists. They're anti-vaxxers. They're delusional, right? This is what this article is. You delusional, sick, anti-science, you science-denying, sick, delusional conspiracy theorists. Download the app. Stop being selfish. Stop it. You awful, awful people. Stop being so selfish. How about everyone? Why don't you think about somebody else for a change? And then the little video that goes along with it. Australians have now downloaded the COVID Safe app. But in order for it to be really effective, millions more are needed. 
be part of the winning team. In order for the app to work, we all have to have it, guys. It's not compulsory, but in order for it to be effective, everyone has to have it. <laughs> you see the like the little two-step that's taking place here? The little fucking switcheroo? The little three-card Monty trick that's being played with the language? Guys, it's not compulsory. It's voluntary. Stop panicking. It's voluntary, but if we want it to work, download it now. You disgusting conspiracy theorist delusional piece of shit. Download it right now. Hey, it's not even compulsory. It's voluntary. Just be a team player. Come on. (laughs) Happy and chirpy music. Oxford University research suggests such apps could effectively stop the epidemic if 60% of the population used them. Ah. Roughly. (laughs) How? How? (laughs) They keep making this claim. If everybody downloads the tracking app, then the virus is going to go away. It's going to disappear. How exactly? The app doesn't stop people getting sick. The app tells people after they've gotten sick. That's the whole point of it. (laughs) And again, all of this is for nothing because all of the government authorities, all of the politicians, all of the doctors, have they all admit this. Ben K. Veritas with the diamond says, even with a Republican prez, they push for more government. Amen. Hey, fucking men. So all of the health professionals involved in this and the politicians, they all admit this one thing, right? Uh, when we relax the quarantine rules, when we relax the lockdown laws, people are going to start getting sick again. They all say that. So on the one hand, you have the government saying, hey, download, you ne- de- please download this tracking app. You've got to have this tracking app. This tracking app could let you have your freedom back. Huh? Huh? You may get your freedom back if you download the tracking app. Don't you want your freedom back, bro? Come on, bro. Come on, bro. Don't you want to go outside? Yeah, I want to go outside. Great. Download this tracking app. It's voluntary, but it only works if everybody downloads it. So if you want your freedom back, download the app. This app, I do, guys, this app could wipe out the virus. Oh, yeah, fuck yeah. Get that virus. Let's fuck that virus right up. Fuck it right in its poopy hole. This app could wipe out the virus. They say that on the one hand. So everybody, download it right now. The virus is going to, the app is going to kill the virus. And then in the very next sentence, they say, but as soon as we start letting people out of their homes, they're all going to get sick again. So we can't. We can't let you out. And the constant pushing and pulling between these two narratives coming out of the same mouths. Information apocalypse. And and then they have the audacity to like on programs like 60 Minutes and other little news programs, right, to come out and say, well, people are very confused. Yeah, I wonder why. There's a lot of disinformation spreading out there. Yeah, I wonder where it starts. Could it possibly be because you're telling people that if they download a personal tracking app, it'll wipe out the virus, but as soon as they step outside, they're going to get sick again? Could that be the reason that people are confused? (laughs) Give me a fucking break. 10 million or 40% of the population is our government's goal. We need this so we can have the protection in place for you. Protection. The app will protect you. If you download the app... It'll put a nice big bubble of protection around you. You won't get sick. 
Yes. Oh, great. Good idea. So when everybody downloads the app, can we start going to the bars and the restaurants again? Oh, I don't think so. You see, as soon as we let you out again, people are going to start getting sick. But I thought that's why we're downloading the app, sir. No, no, you're downloading the app to protect you from the virus. Right. So I have the app. Yes. It's protecting me from the virus. Yes. Can I go outside? No. You'll get sick again. <laughs> it's, it's, it's the same thing. It's a Marx Brothers routine. It's who's on first. It's the same thing as the protest rally, right? This is an unauthorized protest. You can't be out here protesting. Um, okay, can we protest against the new lockdown laws? Yes, you just have to be authorized to do it. You have to get government authorization. Okay, can I get government authorization to protest the new lockdown laws? No, that would be in violation of the new lockdown laws. Oh, but I want to protest. Well, everybody's got a right to protest. You can protest. Oh, good. Can I get authorization to protest the lockdown laws? No, that would be violating the lockdown laws. <laughs> Download the app. It'll keep you safe. Okay, can I go outside? No, no, no. As soon as you go outside, it'll get you sick. Oh, how do I stop that from happening? Download the app. Okay, I've downloaded the app. Good. You're protected. Great. Can I go out? No. You're going to get sick again. <laughs> it's, a, it's a circus. It's like they're making the rules up as they go along. Here's a little one for you. I got sent this picture yesterday. I have to look at my phone now. About It's some of the contradictions. I'll read you a couple. Some of the contradictions from my state government here, okay? Okay, listen to this one, for example. So the new, the new soft rollout of the restrictions being lifted, apparently, quote unquote. Listen to this. There is no limit on how far people may travel to visit another household now. However, regional holidays are still banned. If a city living family stays the night with a friend or family member in, the reg in a regional house for the weekend, this may not be classed as a regional holiday <laughs> because there's no limit to how far you can go to visit somebody, but you're not allowed to go on holiday. So if you go to another house that's in the country, as long as somebody's already living there, that's okay. If you travel to an empty house, that's banned. <laughs> See how fucking ridiculous this all is? Here's a good one for you. So they've lowered the restriction. Trenton Wave's like, what the fuck? Yes, that's how stupid this is. They are making it up as they go along. This is what happens, we've said it before on the show, this is what happens when you give bureaucrats a blank check to come up with rules. Never, ever, ever say to a bureaucrat, hey, can you please come up with a whole bunch of rules and regulations for us? Because that's exactly what they will do. And the rules will contradict themselves. They'll come back in an hour with like a 6,000 page rule book. Here you go. So here's another one for you. They've, they've dropped the limit. They've dropped the amount of people who can travel to somebody else's house down to five. Okay. So you're not allowed to be in a group of more than five people now. So if you go to a restaurant or something like that, and you've got six people, the sixth person is not allowed to go. They have to stay home. You have to leave little Timmy at home. <laughs> he, he can't go to McDonald's. He's not allowed. But five people can. But <laughs> this is the beautiful part. Five people, you can't have a family of six people going to visit somebody else. Five people can visit a family, okay? But six people can't. But that's the visiting. If the five people go and visit the family of six, that's allowed. But the six people can't go and visit the family of five, you see. 
because the restriction is on the visitors and not on the people receiving the visitors. Are you following along? Like, it's not complicated at all, is it? So five people can go and visit a family of six, but six people can't go and visit a family of five. (laughs) Which means they thought that they were dropping the limit from six people down to five people, but what they've actually done is dropped the limit from six people and pumped it up to 11. (laughs) Five people can visit six people, but six people are not allowed to visit five people. It's fucking insane. (laughs) The hardware stores in Australia. I went to three hardware stores last night looking for something. Couldn't find any of them. But the biggest hardware chain in Australia, it's like our version of Home Depot. It's called Bunnings, right? Huge warehouse-style hardware stores, massive. And you can, I can walk around in a Bunnings for an hour. I love the place. Mostly in the barbecue section because that's my jam. <laughs> so we're walking around the Bunnings, and there's a tradition at Bunnings, right? Um, people set up barbecues out the front of Bunnings, like for their, like their little local sports club or the church or something like that, right? On a Saturday and Sunday, Bunnings lets them set up a little barbecue and sell sausage sandwiches to people, right? Sausage on a bit of bread, two bucks a pop to raise a little money for whatever they're trying to raise money for. It's good. It's nice. And if you go to Bunnings on the weekend, it's like an Aussie. Every Aussie knows this. You buy a fucking sausage. Doesn't even matter what the cause is. I'll, I'll, I'll avoid breakfast if I know I'm going to the hardware store. It's like, no, I'm going to get a fucking sausage sandwich, man. I'm going to Bunnings. Come on. Getting sausage on bread, fucking that. Yes, with the burnt onions. Exactly, fascist hippie fellow Aussie knows what I'm talking about. So we're wandering around this Bunnings. There's got to be like 200 people in the store. I get out the front of the store and I see the little sign at the front of the store and it says, due to COVID-19 restrictions, we are not doing the sausage sizzles anymore. We're not allowed to do the sausage sizzle. So think of the stupidity of this. In the store, you can have 200 people in the enclosed area of the store, but you can't have three people standing at a grill out the front <laughs> because of COVID-19. It is fucking insane. And they're just making this up as they go along. And this is what happens when you give bureaucrats carte blanche to just invent regulations out of thin air. And I suspect this is where it's going to all end up for us, right? We're just going to be soft rolled into this new reality where there's going to be all of these rules and all of these regulations that just fucking appear out of nowhere. Like five people can go and visit a family of six, but six people can't go and visit a family of five because that's against the rules. You're not allowed to go on holidays in the country, but you can go and visit somebody who lives in the country. So if you plan on going to a country house, you better make sure that somebody's already there. If it's an empty house, that's breaking the law. If somebody's already living there, that's fine. (laughs) But I thought it was about social distancing and isolation. Yeah, 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 but this is complicated business. We're bureaucrats, not magicians. Fuck a duck. And if, like, I'm a pretty logical, rational kind of guy. If you're a logical, rational person, this kind of stuff is enough to make you want to take copious amounts of narcotics and just fall asleep and wake me up when it's over. Because there is so much illogical, irrational, uh, back of an envelope type of calculations taking place. And the most infuriating thing is the people who just go along with it and argue that it's good. 
And when you give them these very, very basic contradictions, very basic observations, it's like, oh, well, you must be a, you must be an anti-vaxxer. You hate old people. You're a science denier and you want everyone to die. Stop being so selfish. Like, oh. Oh. You know what I mean? You don't have to be a particularly smart guy to know how dumb this is, but you have to be a very dumb person to think it's smart, in my opinion. One, download Trace Together. And that would be double the uptake achieved in Singapore, which launched its Trace Together app on my. <laughs> Again, with sucking Singapore's dick. Oh, Singapore did it so well. Yeah, no, Singapore has been doing it. We're going to do it so much better. March 20. Get peace of mind for you and your family through community driven contact tracing. So how likely are we to reach that number? According to researchers, that comes down to five words. I will, if you will. Social pressure. Peer pressure, social pressure. Hey, the more people download it, the more other people will be uh, pressured into downloading it. Herd mentality, group mentality. Group psychology is a thing. There's a great line, I, I know this is going to be a weird reference to use in this context, there's a great line from the first Men in Black movie. Tommy Lee Jones and Will Smith are sitting on a park bench. Will Smith has just discovered the reality of the world, which is like there's fucking aliens all over planet Earth and there's a secret organization that polices them and tracks them, right? He's just discovered that this is the real world. And Will Smith says to Tommy Lee Jones, why don't you just tell people? Why, why all the secrecy? Why not just tell people that this is what you're doing? People are smart. They'll get it. And Tommy Lee says to him, it's wisdom. It's wisdom in Hollywood for a rare, a rare fleeting moment. Tommy Lee says to him, no, no, no. A person is smart, but people are dumb. <laughs> people are mindless mobs. A person will get it, but people won't. That's essentially the social psychology that they're working on here. Large groups of people. There's a fantastic book I've got somewhere in my bookcase that's all about this kind of stuff. And I fucking can't remember the name of it for the life of me. I'm going to have to look and like tweet it out later, the name of this book. It's all about this like group psychology, social psychology stuff and how to get um, big groups of people to do what you want them to do basically in a political sense, in a policy drive. So, the, so the, people are very, very predictable in a group setting. An individual is unpredictable because an individual has, you know, um, they have agency over their own actions to, an ex to a degree. But a group of people is very predictable. And most people break down into like three categories. So if there's like a crisis situation, like you think about like 9-11, for example. When the, when the plane hit the first tower, people generally break up into three categories. And it's like 40% of people will just follow whoever leads them. It might be more than that. It might be like 60 or 70% of people will just follow. If somebody is a leader, people will just follow that person, even if they're running off a cliff. In a crisis situation, 60% of people or whatever it is will just follow that guy right off the cliff because they're waiting for somebody to take charge. They're waiting for somebody to take initiative. They're not, they're not leaders. They're followers. It's like 10% of people are somebody in a crisis situation who'll stand up in front of everybody and go, follow me. Come with me. Let's do this. Let's get out of here. And then the remaining number are people who can't follow and can't lead. And they just stay, like they freeze. <clears throat> they can't think. They break down mentally in a crisis situation. They become immobile vegetables. That's the rest of them. So 
when you understand that, it becomes very obvious why fear is such a, such a great motivator for large groups of people, right? People are clamoring to be led to safety. It's an old Voltaire quote. Is it Voltaire or H.L. Mencken? I, I can't remember. It's either Voltaire or H.L. Mencken. It says, uh, modern, essentially, modern politics is um, harassing the population with an endless series of hobgoblins to leave them clamoring for safety, all of them imaginary. Something, something like that. It's been a while since I read that stuff. But that's why it's so effective, because there is basically like three types of person. So they present themselves as the leader, and the rest of us follow. I will if you will. I'll do it, but you do it first. Whether you're the type to donate to a charity or participate for the greater good usually comes down to our willingness to cooperate with others. Cooperation is often conditional, and some of us have more conditions than others. 20% of us are selfish free riders. <laughs> they're, they're, not, they're, not, um, they're not like giving it to us, you know, sugar-coated, are they? You selfish free rider. You disgusting, selfish piece of shit. Download the app immediately. 20% never give anything. You can't even control for their beliefs because you give them a schedule and say, how much do you give when the others give zero? How much do you give when the others give one? How much do you give when the others give two? So you know exactly for each possible outcome how much they're willing to give. And they always give zero, 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 zero. See, this is how they predict us. This is how they... This is how they can introduce certain stimuli into our environment and know that we will react a certain way to it. And it's not like, it's not a conspiracy. One of my little pet hobbies is behavioral economics because I'm a very boring person in reality. So I love reading about and learning about behavioral economics. They've been doing this shit for 50 years. It's not conspiracy theory. This is why they... Um, you know, this is why people study how to place things in a certain fashion in a store. This is why they know that if they have the lights at this certain illumination instead of that illumination, it's going to increase sales. This is why they put the air conditioner on in a casino because people will drink more and gamble more. This is how they know if they play a certain music at the, sh at the store, people will buy more. It's all psychology. It's all about introducing certain stimulus to people and them having them react a certain way. So I find this stuff fascinating. You just don't give anything because they think nobody else will give anything. 60% say I wasn't wrong. I wasn't wrong. 60% of us are followers. So there you go. There you go. Books. Another one for books. If the others give one, they give one. If the others give two, they give two. If everybody thinks people are rushing to the supermarket to buy toilet paper and to buy uh, hand sanitizer, they go as well. Like, I'm susceptible to this shit as well. I've told this story on the show before as well. I went into a store. Like, have you noticed how um, they ask for your email address when you go to a store now? And like, I just, I was, I was just giving it to them. Like, oh, okay, here's my email address. Like without even thinking, I'm thinking about something else. I'm thinking about the product that I already bought. I'm thinking about where did I park the car? I'm thinking about what shop I'm going to go to next. I'm thinking about my schedule. I'm thinking about other stuff. So you hand them the money, they give you the bag and they say, can we just get your email address? Yeah, sure. 
And I was telling my mate Greeno about it. And he's like, he goes, I never give it to them. And I'm like, what do you mean? And he said, I just say no. <laughs> and like, it was like a shot in the dark. It was like the heavens opened up like, oh, <clears throat> I was like, wow, I never even thought of that. I never thought that I could just say no. Right. Why? Because everyone's doing it. Because everyone just says, okay, whatever. It's just treated like it's normal. So he went into a store once and he wanted to buy a shirt or something or a pair of pants. He was telling me the story. He went in to buy a pair of pants and a shirt. He went up to the counter and they said, can we have your email address? He goes, no. And they said, oh, but we need the email address to give you the receipt and stuff. And he's like, no, you can print one out. And they go, well, no, actually, we need the, uh, the, the, they gave him like a bunch of different excuses. And in the end, he said, look, I can either pay for my fucking clothes and not give you my email address or I'm leaving. And they said, oh, well, we need your email address. And he just left the clothes on the counter. He said, well, go fuck yourself then and walked out. And I'm like, I didn't even think of that. <clears throat> so, you know, the next time I went to the store, I, think, I think I was buying like office supplies or something. Like, why does, why does the office supply store need to know my fucking email address, right? I never thought about it. <laughs> so I go down there. <clears throat> Thank you for the diamond, OT Marty. So I went down there. I bought like, I don't know, like a, a, a hard drive or something. And I get up to the counter. She's like, can I have your email address? And I said, no. And she goes, oh, but we need the email address. And I said, well, look, I'm not, I'm not going to buy it if you, if you take my email address. Thank you very much, sir. Thank you for the double diamond, OT Marty. I said, I'm not going to buy it if I have to give you my email address. And she goes, okay. <laughs> just hands it to me. I'm like, wow, that was really easy. So I'm susceptible just as much as anyone. But there's a reason that people study this stuff. It's because it works. Like social psychology, um, predicting people's behavioral, uh, predictive behavioral psychology and shit like that. It works. Behavioral economics, there's substance to it. That's why it's a thing. <laughs> and 10% of us are quitters. They cooperate with others up to a certain point. And then they say, oh, there's enough. I must, I must be one of them then. I must be one of the quitters. <laughs> there are enough people cooperating, so I can just back out. I can withdraw. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Triple diamonds from Marty. Thank you so much, sir. So there you have it. I think you get the general idea, ladies and gentlemen. I did have one more quick little video here. Uh, fuck it, we'll do it. We're, we're over time anyway. Uh, one more quick one for you. Because like we said, we were talking about they're giving you this they're giving you this false option here where if you download the app, then you can go back outside. But they're also saying if you go back outside, then you're going to get sick again. So it's like, well, what's the point then? What's the point of all this? And I, I put the little Twitter video out before, like, if not now, then when? If we're all going to get sick when we get let back out into the world again, why are we still inside? Let's get it over with. If there's, if it's unavoidable, they say the tracking app will, will solve coronavirus whilst they say at the same time, there's nothing we can do because as soon as we go outside, we're all going to get sick again. So uh, this little video I just wanted to provide for the people that I referenced before who said, hey, if you just follow the, just follow the rules, guys. Just follow the rules and everything will go back to normal. Stop complaining. Stop being selfish. You heard, you heard the government. Liz, Liz in the chat, subjects. Great, great word. Guys, you heard, you heard the, you heard the government. 
Just follow the rules. It's only for a couple of months. Stop being so selfish. Download the app and then everybody can go back to normal. You're stopping us from going back to normal. People like you. You selfish people. It's people like you who are stopping us from getting back to normal life. OT Marty, I will not be tracked. I will not be tracked. God damn it. Thank you for the diamond, sir. And amen, brother. So those people who say, just do what the government says, download the app, follow the rules, and then eventually you'll be let out outside. Well, we know that's bullshit in New York, for example, because we saw everybody's following the rules so well that they decided to hire more people to enforce the rules and they've given the police more powers to enforce the law. <laughs> so that's bullshit. And being told that if you download the app, it'll clear up the coronavirus, but as soon as you get let outside, you'll get sick again. Have a look at this from the BBC. Signaled a series of measures which it's considering to relax the lockdown while minimising the risk of coronavirus Good. spreading. Great. An announcement is due a week today, which will set out the next steps to getting the country back to school okay. and to work. Okay. 315 more people have died wow, from coronavirus in the latest 24-hour period. That is a figure which could still go up because of a lag in reporting. The total number reflects those who've died in hospital, mm -hmm. in a care home or in the community okay, after testing positive for the disease. Yep. It brings the total number of deaths in the UK to 28,446. <laughs> Our political correspondent Chris Mason has more. Let's see what the political correspondent has to say. A portrait of the UK in lockdown. Mm -hmm. For well over a month, streets have been quiet. Yep. Most shops have been closed. Yep. A pause button pressed on normal life. Mm. But if imposing these restrictions felt like a massive moment, easing them could prove much, much more fraught. Just gonna let that settle with you for a moment, if I may. See the see the reasoning that's here. See the logic that's being applied here. See what you're being presented with. The audacity of this. Want to hear it again? Want to hear it again? OT Marty with a diamond says, I will not be intimidated by the media. Yeah, that, that's the problem, right? I get you. I'm with you. You will not be intimidated by the media. Most of this audience won't be intimidated by the media, but we are a teeny tiny little minority. And we'll just be overrun. <clears throat> Winning TV with the diamond says, Why are you not Raka saving raves? Why, Australia, you're such a troublemaker. Why you got to always be starting a trouble? You'll be very divisive. You know, Australia is a very disrespectful country. Very, China could be a good friend to you. China, why you not be a good friend? Australia, what's a country like you doing in a dangerous world like this? We can be a good friend to you. Have a listen again to the logic here. Well, I, we can call it logic. Let's call it what it really is, nonsense. Right? Trait of the UK in lockdown. For well over a month, streets have been quiet, most shops have been closed, a pause button pressed on normal life. But if imposing these restrictions felt like a massive moment, easing them could prove much, much more fraught. <laughs> I shouldn't even have to say it, right? 
but I'm going to because it's like I, I have to. I can't let that fucking can't let that matzo ball hang out there. You know what I mean? <laughs> so wait. Going back to normal is more dangerous than what it was before we were in lockdown. <laughs> so I, I, I'm, I'm afraid I must ask the obvious question here then. Uh, considering that letting people out of quarantine and letting people out of lockdown is going to be more dangerous than putting them in lockdown. Uh, sir, may I ask, why the fuck did you put people in lockdown then? <laughs> Why did we put everybody in lockdown? It's it's kind of like you feel like you're going insane, right? <laughs> Why did we put people in lockdown then? <laughs> you have to laugh and drink. Laugh and drink whiskey. There is no other option now. You know, <laughs> you know, if we let people out of lockdown, it's going to be far more dangerous than when we put them in. <laughs> So why did we put them in then? Oh, to keep people safe. What? <laughs> what? <laughs> I can't. I can't do it. I can't do it anymore. I'm tired of it. I'm tired of the bullshit. I'm tired of the illogical, irrational nonsense. <laughs> what the hell is what the hell is going on? Honestly. Well, if you thought that if you thought that people being put into lockdown was troubling, then wait until we let everybody have their freedom back. This is an argument to say that we should never have freedom. We, we, we should be locked in our homes for the next 200 fucking years then, okay? At least just let's do that then. Anybody who can't work from home, sorry, you starve to death. Everybody else, let's turn our homes into little castles. We'll put fucking machine gun turrets on the roof and then we'll all live happily ever after. <laughs> Like I said before, you don't have to be a particularly smart person to see the nonsense that this is, but you have to be a very dumb person to agree with it. That's my opinion anyway. Letting people out of lockdown is more dangerous than putting them in lockdown. Right. What a clusterfuck. At this afternoon's government news briefing, one of the Prime Minister's most senior colleagues told me local lockdowns might have to be reimposed. <laughs> remember all of those remember all of those wacky conspiracy theorists who said, hey look. If everyone goes along with this, if we set a precedent here, then it's going to be very easy for this to keep happening. They're just going to be able to snap their fingers and everyone's going to go scurrying back inside like cockroaches running under a fridge when you flick on a light in the kitchen, right? It's going to be very easy in the future for the government to just click their fingers and say, okay, everyone back home, back into lockdown again. Okay. Sorry. Sorry, sir. They're just openly admitting it. This is the BB. This is the government. Remember, 
we, the, the bookends of this show, the very first video we watched tonight was the BBC explaining to us how dangerous misinformation is and where it comes from and where it starts. And the last video we watch is from the BBC where they explain that it's more dangerous to let people out of quarantine than it is to put them in and that we're going to have to reimpose quarantine as well. We're going to let people out and then we're going to put them back in. Congratulations! Congratulations, guys. You're following the rules. Our phased approach is one which allows phase, us... It's all phases. Phase one, phase two, phase three, phase fuck. ...to monitor the impact that those We're changes monitoring. are having on public health. And if necessary, in a specific and localised way, that means that we can pause or even reintroduce those restrictions that might be required. And don't, don't tell me. Don't tell me how hard this is for politicians. I'm sorry. And I don't care who the politician is. I don't care if it's Boris Johnson, Scott Morrison, this fucking guy, Donald Trump. Do not tell me how hard it is and how awful it is. Politicians live for this shit. You know why? Because they're important again. Because now everybody's waiting on every single word that they have to say. Everybody's clamoring to the politicians. Help us. Protect us. How can we get through this? Please. What have you got for us today? Have you got any more updates? Can you do a press conference? Can you answer these questions? Tell us, what's the plan? What's the story? Can we go outside? Can we do this? Well, here's our plan, right? Here's our plan. Sit down. Sit down, everyone. Here's our plan. We're going to roll this out in phases. There's going to be phase one, phase two. Oh, okay, tell us about phase one. They're important. They're relevant. They fucking live for this stuff. Don't tell me how much they hate doing this. They feel like they're saving the fucking world. They live for this. This is what they're there for, to feel important, to exercise power. That's why they're politicians, all of them. I'm sick of people saying, oh, this poor guy, this is such a poor situation. Somebody said it to me about Scott Morrison the other day, like, oh, poor Scott Morrison. You know, it's not his fault. That's true. It's not his fault. Granted. Oh, poor Scott Morrison. What an awful situation. It's so tough. It's so hard. It's so hard to fucking manage, and he's doing such a tough thing. It's like, bullshit. He has purpose. He has relevance. People are wanting to talk to him. People care what he has to say. He's he's living for this. This is why he took the job in the fucking first place. This is a dream come true. Oh, the poor guys. Look at them. Look at them. Podium, stay home, protect the NHS, save lives. We've got plans. We've got rules. We've got regulations. We're rolling out solutions. We're fucking fixing the world. This is what they do this for, guys. In order to deal with localised uh, uh, outbreaks. Trains won't look like this again for some time. But if we're to return to work, they won't be able to look like this either. So I'm looking at the train, working with the train companies, unions and the rest of them, all of the um, above. And there are a series of different things that we can do, including, for example, staggering work times, working with business and organisations to do that. <laughs> Just, there's a se- Ladies and gentlemen, the politicians of the Western world are reinventing your existence right before your eyes. We're going to stagger your work times. We're going to change what it means. We're, gonna, we're going to regulate your behaviour down to the finest point possible. And they're, they're literally telling you, if you don't do what we say, we'll lock you up in your house again. Like, I'm, not even, I'm not even being hyperbolic about this. 
I can be hyperbolic from time to time, but I'm not being hyperbolic about this. They're, they're literally telling you what the new normal, what the, the, what the next phase of our journey on this fucking floating rock is going to be. Stand on the line if you want to get food. Wait in line if you want to go to the, uh, the bathroom. Download Ring the app. Ring the bell and get your cheese, man. Thank you for the sub, Amberlina. Download the app if you want to go outside. Go only four. Only five of you can go to a restaurant at one time. Follow this line into the office. Follow this line out of the supermarket. Don't stand here. Stand there. Do what you're fucking told. Don't go to the beach between these hours. Only sit on a blanket if there's three of you. Talk to people behind this perspex screen. Do all of these things. And if you don't do it, we'll fucking lock you up again. We'll throw you we'll throw you back inside. So do what we say. This is the new reality. When they talk about the new normal, this is what they're talking about. Listen again to this guy. Like this either. So I'm looking at the train, working with the train companies, unions and the rest of them, all of the um, above. And there are a series of different things that we can do, including, for example, staggering work times, working with business and organisations mm. to do that. We'll decide when you go to work. We'll decide when you catch the train. We'll decide how many people you can have dinner with. We'll decide where you can eat dinner. We'll decide where you stand at the supermarket. We'll decide which door you go in. We'll decide which door you come out of. We'll decide where you can stand waiting for a cab. We'll decide how many... Uh, how many times you can fucking go into town on the weekend. We'll decide how far you can go on your fucking holidays, guys. And if you don't do what we say, we're going to lock you all up in your fucking houses again. Eat shit. Eat a dick. That's what they're telling you. I'm not even being hyperbolic about it. There's a similar challenge in schools. schools. Empty or near empty classrooms in lockdown and now tentative plans being sketched for them reopening. Wales's First Minister said today it would take three weeks to get schools back open from the moment the decision to do so was taken. If we bring particular age groups back in first... Ask them for some particulars. ...that will allow us to spread them out through the school... Spread them out. As a I do love the Welsh accent, though. <laughs> it would allow us to spread them out. ...all enabling us to observe social enabling. distancing and therefore giving confidence to parents and teachers. Protection, comfort, feel safe, a safety blanket. From the moment the decision to do so was taken. If we bring particular age groups back in first, that will allow us to spread them out through the school. We'll decide which one of your students goes. We'll decide which one of your kids goes to school. It's going to be a draw. So all of the kids who are 10 and between the ages of 8 and 10, you can go to school today. If you're 12, you can go to school tomorrow. If you're 14, you can go to school on Friday. Oh, but mummy has to catch the bus between the hours of 9 and 10 because we're staggering the public transport times. Oh, well, well that's your fucking problem. We make the rules. We, we don't uh, organise your lives, <laughs> right? We'll decide when you go to school. We'll decide when you go to work. We'll decide where you stand. We'll decide where you can eat. We'll decide where you can drink. Follow, do what we say, or we're going to have to lock you up in your house again. Well, as a whole enabling us to observe social distancing and therefore giving confidence to parents and teachers. Mr Drakeford said it'll be a decision for his government as to when this mm. happens. Mm. Scotland's first minister... Not you. You don't get to decide. They do. They'll tell you. They'll decide for you. Sir Nicola Sturgeon said the same today too. 
But take a look at this. This was Leeds this afternoon. Getting the country going again could involve more than just changing the rules. Mm, it's like more. It could be even more. <laughs> Please. I'm all fucking ears. It's going to take more than just changing the rules, guys. We're going to have to do a whole bunch of shit that you don't want to do. <laughs> likely to require persuasion. Persuasion. To persuasion. Oh, don't you love it? See, persuasion is how a bootlicker would describe enforcement. That's how they would say it. Remember the video we played yesterday? Oh, was it on Monday, pardon me, of the guy, the Canadian guy and the woman who works for the health department in Canada said, we're asking for your cooperation when she's literally holding a piece of paper in her hand that says that they have the legal right to remove him against his will and they're going to. The audacity of saying, oh, we're asking you for your cooperation. That's just a flat-out lie. That's a lie. It's a propagandistic lie because you're not asking for cooperation. If you were asking, I'd have a choice. So you're enforcing compliance. You're coercing me. You're not asking anything. So when I hear, to, like, because I've been doing this too long, man. <laughs> I've been doing this too long and watching this stuff for too long and breaking this shit down for too long. When I hear the BBC say it's going to take persuasion, I know what they mean. They mean enforcing. They mean the police threatening you. If you don't do what we say, we will arrest you. That's what, that's what they mean by persuasion. Leads this afternoon. Getting the country going again could involve more than just changing the rules. It's likely to require persuasion, persuasion. too. We've got very used to the, the, the mantra plastered across the, the lecterns you're, you're stood behind. Um, can we expect a, a more subtle message to come in the next phase to mirror what could be a, a more subtle, a more nuanced set of rules? Uh, what we need to do, I think, is just to make sure that the uh, on-the-ground advice that we give is sufficiently reassuring. I think it's about making sure that people feel that uh, the pointers that we're giving about how a workplace can be safe are sensible, reliable, supported by employers and trade unions. Getting back from this to normality is going to be a long and difficult slog. See? It's going to be long and difficult. But we already know what the normality is at the end of this, don't we? We know what the new normal is. The new normal is a whole bunch of rules that just fucking come up out of nowhere, that just exist without any debate, any discussion. There's just going to be a whole bunch of rules. That'll be the new normal. Uh, Legalisation of uh, government tracking your whereabouts 24 hours a day. That'll be the new normal. Drones flying around the city, tracking people's movements, breaking up large groups. That'll be the new normal. So they're calling it, oh, it's going to be hard to get back to normal because in reality they know that we're not get, there's not going to be a normal at the end of this. It's going to be something else. And a lot of people will think that it's normal because they're being programmed like this daily on the reg on the reg, to think that the next stage is going to be a new normal when it's going to be anything but. The government is promising to set out the next steps. In phase two. Let's get to phase two, huh? Next Sunday. Chris Mason, BBC News. Well, easing the lockdown will require striking a balance between a gradual resumption of normal life and keeping the virus at bay. <laughs> There you have it. There you have it. Normal life will include not being normal. I don't know what else to tell you. So, 
Uh, we've gone way over time tonight, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for your patience and thank you for joining us on this edition of the Daily Boogie podcast. An absolute pleasure as always. Um, like I said earlier, I'll be back on Friday night. Another, it's, it's, Don't worry, it's going to be a light one on Friday night. I, we, I want to start the weekend on Friday night. So I'll give your... You know, I'll give your black pilling a break on Friday and we'll have a bit more fun. So if you want to join us for that, like I said, I've got some fucking wild shit to show you on Friday night. You're going to love it. Friday night at 6pm. Don't forget Irrational Times at 9 on Friday. Uh, well, before we jump to Friday, let's do let's do plugs for our friends. Uh, tomorrow, Thursday, 10am, Royce Lopez. Midday, JJ Stoner. D- JJ's in the chat. DLive.tv slash JJ Stoner. Uh, four o'clock, Revenge of the Sis, Mersh and Royce. Um, I won't be here. And then at 10 p.m., uh, I think you've got cousin, the Cousin Dan show with that other guy. At 7, um, you've got Nightwave tomorrow at 10. And around 11 o'clock, uh, Kimmy Y Censored will be going live on DLive. So follow Kimmy. Um, if you want to watch one or the other, just catch the replay. It's all good, bro. Replay views are good. And then on Friday, I'll be back at 6 p.m. And on Friday night, back with Joy of Pessy at midnight. So thank you, everyone, for joining us. If you'd like to become a full-time supporter of the show, then please, by all means, head to patreon.com slash boogiebumper. Become a subscriber by hitting the subscribe button on your preferred podcast player. And of course, if you'd like to tell me about the new normal, then you can do so by following me on Twitter at boogiebumper. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, until next time, I'm opening the chest right now on DLive. Thank you to everyone who contributed tonight on DLive, by the way. And I'll see you Friday night at 6 p.m. Until then, stay calm, stay rational. God bless, and we'll see you soon. Bye-bye.